lads. Explain those bad lads. That's a hell of a name. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Badlands Daily. This is all connected, guys. It really is. It's, it's, it's undeniable. Which is a rigged system with these elite people. There is no need to complicate something that doesn't need to be complicated. The divide is, is meant to keep us divided and fighting each other. But they control the actors, and I really think they have potential. They like making their pet monkeys dance. It's just a creation that exists in the minds of people who are still addicted to the central narrative. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Badlands Daily. It is Monday, the dreariest of all days. Welcome to the show, Gordon. How are you doing on this lovely Monday morning? On this dreary and lovely Monday morning, I'm great, Cancon. How are you? I don't know. You look like you're uh, nice and comfy up there in Virginia. It's probably a little little cold up there. And I don't know, it, it, man. It is, man. It's like a nice day. It's like around like 55, 60, bright and sunny, but a little crisp. Um, it's kind of like you can feel like spring's coming, which is good, man. Like I like I like that kind of a time of year where uh, like, you know, spring's coming and uh, I mean, fall's great, too. But I like all the seasons, really, except for winter, unless it snows. Winter around here is kind of miserable because we get slush and then we get ice and then you get slush again. So it's See, I'm in Florida. We hate summer because <laughs> it's. Yeah, See, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we've got the best winters and fall and springs and everything else. And then, uh, yeah, we went to uh, my wife and I went to uh, the Renaissance Festival on Sunday. We do that every year. They come in fe- uh, February through March. And uh, it's it's something we've done probably for the last six or seven years since I got out of the Marines and moved back down here. And uh, we, we love going, but it's crazy over the last like two or three years how uh, diverse it's gotten. You know, you have these people that like to LARP and, and, you know, do live action role play like they all dress up and everything like my wife dressed up as a pirate and I, I don't dress up. I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt. I, I, I've got a kilt. I wear that once in a while, you know, every once in a, like if if it's in season. But anyways, so so it's, it's funny because I was wearing um, I was wearing an olive drab shirt on the back that said um, something about like uh it was a conspiracy like one of those do you have any more conspiracies all mine have come true and it's like redacted like it's got every other word redacted so the only part you read is do you have any conspiracies all mine have come true or whatever i had more people yesterday ask me where i got that shirt than i could have ever imagined at an event that you know is is pretty liberal uh you know but it was it was a good time overall it was it was it was fun good weather that's that's interesting. It's an interesting commentary. And yeah, I, I feel like I'm having more and more experiences like that where um, politics is becoming less taboo, or, or I should say truth. I mean, politics has been pervasive and, and invaded and infiltrated every aspect of culture ever since Trump announced or at least got elected. Um, 
but yeah, it does feel like truth and like just being able to like openly talk about stuff is becoming more and more commonplace um, in areas where it has always been taboo. And I live in an area where all that stuff is very taboo. Like politics is still considered pretty taboo where I live. So yeah, yeah. Well, so when you go to like a Ren Fest, on one hand, you have all these people that are like into like the fairies and like all that stuff, and so those guys are like crazy. I mean, you'll see. But then you also have guys that are dressed like Vikings and pirates and, you know, just warriors from our time. Uh, well, from that time and, you know, past me medieval times. And so you get that variation there. And it's it's really interesting to see. But anyways, you don't, you don't want to see when the Viking people mix with the fairies. That's when things get really <laughs> ugly. <laughs> yeah, that could get real bad real quick. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and jump into our uh, our first uh, sponsor for the day. And ladies and gentlemen, we constantly talk about health and different ways to help and get many questions about ivermectin, where you can get it. And that's why we've partnered with EasyRx. They have a huge selection of meds at badlandsmedia.tv slash EasyRx, or you can click in the description box below and use promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your orders of $150 or more. EasyRx not only has a huge selection, but also quality assurance, big savings, and fast shipping. If you're looking for ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, fenbendazole, then head that way today. Don't forget about fenbendazole. They've tested fenbendazole on worms or parasites that can live inside of us without obvious signs and can lead to complications from bowel obstructions to loss of appetite, loss of weight, anemia, lung infection, and liver congestion. Then, fenbend, the, excuse me, the fenbendazole seems to have different qualities than some people that have stated it helped them in that area with cancer. And here's a clip to remind us of exactly what it can do. My own research that once you have wide metastasis, small cell lung cancer, you're literally a goner. The 0% chance of survival at three to six months of life expectancy. And I was basically told to go home and get my affairs in order and think about hospice. And the next day, I got a call from a large animal veterinarian in Western Oklahoma, who's a college friend and family friend. And he told me this crazy story about a scientist at Merck on the veterinary side who has been doing cancer research on mice and she had hundreds of mice that she implanted cancers in all their body parts, brain, stomach, liver, pancreas, etc. And her mouse population came down with intestinal parasites. And so she had no choice but to save her research. She gave her all of her mice fenbendazole. If you went out to any zoo in the world, they bring in fenbendazole truckload front end loader head high piles in bays because they give that drug to every single animal in the animal kingdom and one of the oldest and safest drugs around right yeah, it's been around for 40 years all right there you have it badlandsmedia.tv slash easy rx get your hydroxychloroquine your ivermectin and your fenbendazole so all right let's go ahead and jump into today's news and uh first off we're going to start off with a uh a story that Gordon sent me right before we went live, and I had not even seen this. Uh, guys, don't 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 break out the uh, the party favors just yet. But uh, Jacob Rothschild, financier and philanthropist, dies at 87 years old. So uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. I, I ain't got much to say about that. I if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that, that's one way to put it. Um, the timing of it is interesting. I mean, obviously he's 87, so it's not, not surprising that somebody passes away at 87. The, the timing of it is very in interesting. There was a video that kind of went semi-viral yesterday on X before this was announced that uh, showed these like colors, colors, like horses, you know, guy, guys dressed up in horses in London going down the street and somebody was making commentary 
that uh, this was a very rare thing to see. And um, like normally the king would be present when you would see this happen. And this must like something significant had happened. That's what that was the implication. I can't help but wonder if that is connected to this. It's not worth watching. It's just like three guys on horses riding side by side when everyone, and there's like a parade kind of crowd watching them. Um, but yeah, I mean, interesting. So Jacob Rothschild, uh, man, banking oligarch for sure. The only name that might be a little more impactful would be uh, a Soros name yeah 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 i mean basically for those who don't know who he is i mean on par i would say he's above soros if there's a oh yeah probably above soros and um there's that video that that famous picture of him like poking prince charles in the chest and it's like when you're so powerful that you poke you know the like prince charles in the chest and he like he looks like he's like okay like he's telling him what like what's going on and uh yeah so it's yeah anyway the rothschilds In other, news, <laughs> in other news, I saw somebody in the chat uh, mention this. Uh, Ronna McDaniel, this time for real, ladies and gentlemen, this time for real, Ronna McDaniel announces her resignation as RNC chair ahead of Super Tuesday. And this here from Breitbart News says McDaniel is in the midst of her fourth two-year term. She said she would vacate the role at the party spring training meeting in Houston, Texas, so as to, quote, allow our nominee to select a chair of their choosing. Likely Republican 2024 candidate, former President Donald Trump, endorsed current North Carolina GOP chair and RNC general counsel Michael Watley in early February to replace McDaniel as the new chair of the RNC. He also endorsed his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, to replace incumbent RNC co-chair Drew McKissick. Uh, The RNC party rules mandate that their chair and co-chair must not be of the same sex. And that's a little uh, CRT, DEI right there. Well, not CRT, DEI, but just uh, like the absurdity. I I, I don't know. To me, that sounds a little crazy that you have a rule that they that they have to be the opposite sex. I mean, it seems like best man. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't quite catch the language there. What was that last sent? Like the last thing you said, the rule is what? It says the RNC party rules mandate that their chair and co-chair must not be of the same sex. That's just what Breitbart's reporting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That that seems like a really, really weird rule. It's anti-meritocracy, which, I mean, we're supposed to be against. Um, And yeah, like I agree. That feels like wokeism. That feels like DEI. Almost like in the other direction. Like, oh, we got to have a mom and a dad, guys. I don't know. (laughs) That's an interesting approach to it. We got to have a mom and a dad. We can't have two dads or two moms, guys. That doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, the RNC, I want to I want to jump into uh, into some of the election coverage. So we had the primary. uh, We had the primary on Saturday, South Carolina. Trump won handedly. Uh, I am glad to admit I had made a prediction that I thought with the crossover voting and I'm so glad I think we can put this crossover narrative to to bed because South Carolina was the one place where if it was going to happen, I thought that was where it would really take hold. And uh, the numbers that Trump ended up with were very in line with what he was polling at, according to the major polls. <gasps> oh, polls. We're talking about polls again. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> So it was very in line with with what the polls had been reporting. So uh, I'm 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 hoping we can put that to bed now. Nikki's not backing off at all because you know she's still banking on an indictment somewhere along the line. But the mainstream media went into full blown meltdown mode, and 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 Ash Ash says it did happen. Yes, it did, but not in enough to where they could 
uh, use that to win the race. That's my point. Of course, it happened. They've been promoting it. I mean, there's literally organizations out there. One of one of our listeners sent me a um, uh, a notice they got in the mail that literally says, uh, hey, if you're a Democrat, go out and vote for and, and you're not going to vote in the primary for the Democrat, which already passed, I think. Right. That was like that was like two weeks ago. Um, go out and vote for go out and vote for uh, for for Nikki Haley and keep Trump off the ticket, like literally sending out mailers to people telling them to go do this. The SFA. Yeah, actually, the um, the day after the Connecticut pri Connecticut primary, you were um, in, in, in Georgia, I think that day. Uh, but I was with Patrick and I had a friend who actually came on Breaking History a few weeks later and um, appeared on camera um who called me who lives in connecticut and, and told me that um that there was like a whole infrastructure and in, in advertising and marketing and all of the poll workers were trained on how to get people to change their registration to vote in the primary and then change the registration back right after they voted um so like the whole thing it was like oh because they're like oh hey you probably don't actually don't want to be a republican because uh, they're going to send you all these annoying mailers and stuff why don't we change you back to either independent or, or democrat now that you voted um yeah. it was yeah yeah, I mean, there you can see it right there. It says this. I know it's sideways. I'm sorry, guys. I can't flip it. it. Says this Republican presidential primary is February 24th. Your vote can make a difference. Please participate by voting for Nikki Haley and making your voice heard. And it says up at the top, it says if you do not vote in the February 3rd Democrat primary, you are eligible to vote on February 24th. So, I mean, they, they were literally trying to get them. And uh, Michelle Baucus, who, who we're going to talk about her, a story she broke. Uh, we're going to talk about that here in a second. But she actually went and interviewed people and they were saying the same thing. We'll do anything to get Trump, you know, to make sure Trump doesn't win. And she would ask him, what's your party affiliation? Oh, I'm a Democrat. It's disgusting. Man. We, can't, yeah. we can't do this. Like, this, has to, this, has, this can't be promoted. It's going to happen. But for, mm -hmm. for nonprofits and NGOs and PACs and super PACs and these hybrid PACs, which is like the, mo the worst thing ever, get, get rid of these PACs altogether. Uh, for them to be promoting this is, is really dangerous, man. Yeah. So on on the Power Hour on Saturday, they were they played the video of Trump where right after the polls closed, he came out and said, I just was told we received twice the number of like largest ever in history. Did that end up being true? Because it looked like it was tracking that way in the middle of the night on Saturday. But I just didn't know if that ended up being true where where the number landed like right around where he said it was going to land. Is that that did that end up happening? I'm not sure if it got to that yeah. point. I, I, I'm pretty sure it did. But if you also look at the, uh, the Democrat primary, like those numbers were way low. Like, I think I think there was only like 177,000 votes wow. for the Democrat primary. So that's how many people, um, you know, decided to cross over and vote in in, in the primary for uh, the, the Republican Party. Uh, I, now, obviously, not all of them did. You have an incumbent. A lot of people stay home for an incumbent, especially without RFK Jr., uh, or, or, um, uh, I think it was just RFK. That's not on that ballot. Uh, Dean Phillips, I believe was on it. And so was, uh, who was the woman that was running? I, I can't remember Lori. Uh, I, I, I don't know her name. I don't know her name, yeah. but, but, uh, it's interesting that, um, uh, you know, so all these people voted for Nikki Haley and, you know, the argument can be made that they're, they're anti-Trumpers and there's voting against Trump, but it's interesting that they picked Haley as, as opposed to any of the others. Um, and you know, it, it just makes me think that that should be used against Nikki Haley, obviously that the Democrats are supporting Nikki Haley, but, um, well, I they, yeah, I, I, more there, there you go. Marianne Williamson. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Chris Mar yeah, okay. I, I do know her. Yes. 
Marianne Williamson. I couldn't remember her name for for some reason. Um, the yeah, but the reason that they they, they didn't vote for Haley because they like her in any way, shape. I know, oh, I know, I know. But optically, that should be used against her. But yes, I, I get that they're not in supporting Nikki Haley. They're just voting against Trump. They're trying to keep Trump off the ballot. Um, right. Yeah. But but well, the fact that they would, the fact that they would prefer Haley over or DeSantis or whoever over Trump should be like, all right, well then Trump's the nominee. Like, let's just stop the primary. <laughs> well, let's jump into this here from CNN. I want to I want to go over the meltdown here and and Trump's humiliation ritual because this is the second time now that we've seen this with this one specific individual. Uh, check this out here. Uh, victory speech, overwhelming uh, results in uh, in South Carolina. Um, we uh, called it right at the top of the hour as soon as the polls closed. Back to teams here uh, in New York. Um, listen, you've heard a lot of Trump speeches. Yeah, I mean, RIP the Reagan GOP. There's something so jarring about watching Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott all of who condemned him after January 6th, lining up to do their best campaign rally impersonation and saying this is the most qualified yeah, I mean, man to be president. The night of January 6th, Lindsey Graham was saying he was, you know, I'm done, done. with him. Enough. Enough. Yeah, um, I mean, listen, it is <laughs> the greatest political comeback in history. Just three years ago, he was done in the party and it only took a matter of months before he came back and handily won in Nikki Haley's home state. The question now becomes this. She's held on, we'll see where the margins break down tonight, to about just under a third of Republican votes in some of these primaries. How many of those votes will go to Donald Trump? Because he will- All right, so I'm gonna pause it there because she, she says something really funny that it's the greatest political comeback of all time, a party that was done with Trump. No, 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 no. I don't think you understand how this works. The party isn't done with Trump. Trump is done with the party. Like Trump is the party. You don't you don't dictate to 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 President Trump that you're done with him. He is the party. Like there is no comeback here. There is no comeback here. I want to play the 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 uh, humiliation ritual, so to speak. Well, well this- real real quick before you do, I just want to say that that woman's an idiot, and this is just like a like a demonstration of the Hollywood aspect of like news media, where they're acting, they're feigning surprise, and I understand this is all an act, but. They're feigning surprise that like, oh, my God, this huge comeback. It's like, guys, y'all are idiots. Like Trump has always been the guy. This is so stupid. We have to pretend that we're retarded in order to like have this little dog and pony show. And man, it's exhausting. Yeah. Well, this was Trump uh, during his acceptance speech and uh, calling up Lindsey Graham. And I'm telling you right now, I don't think Lindsey Graham thought he was going to be called up. I think I think Trump. This is where to tie. Check this out. Just watch. Just watch. Well, yeah. Another man, not a lot of people know him. He doesn't do too much television. He happens to be a little bit uh, further left than some of the people on the stage. But I always say when I'm in trouble on the left, I call up Lindsey Graham and he straightens it out so fast. And I'll tell you, no, 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 no. Remember, remember. I love him. He's a good man. Come up here, Lindsay. Come up here, Lindsay. Come here. Okay, are you ready? America, the nightmare you're facing is just about over. Okay, we don't have to listen. He gives the most generic four sentence speech you could ever possibly imagine 
You know, he gets up there and and Trump just treats him like a dog that just peed on the floor and you're rubbing its nose. Get over here. Get over. And the dog's like, I don't want to come up there. I know it's I know it's about to happen. And and he finally gets him up there and Lindsay goes to give him a fist bump. And Trump's just like. Just hand out like, you know, whatever. He also rolls it. Like, I don't know if you catch it. He kind of rolls his eyes when he does that. Trump, Trump's kind of like, yeah, OK, dude, like like does that and then as soon as Lindsay finishes speaking like he he runs off the stage like he he doesn't like step back and like join the posse he turns around and runs off the stage i like i agree i posted about this over the over the weekend i definitely feel like that was a humiliation ritual um trump was laughing as the crowd is booing him like like if you've seen the way he's engaged with, with like pence when people boo pence he's like no 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 like pence is a good man like pence is a good man Lindsey Graham, he's sitting there laughing. He's kind of stepping back and letting the crowd kind of like take the moment. Um, and it's worth pointing out that Lindsey Graham throughout his presidency, throughout Trump's presidency, and I included this in my post, undermined him so many times. Uh, when he went and did the historic summit with Kim Jong-un, um, Lindsey Graham came out and said, I need to remind the president that he needs congressional approval to engage into a treaty like this. Um, he, he also said, enough with this love crap. Like, we need to stop with this love fest with North Korea. He said he still thought that a war with North Korea was worthwhile, which is him saying that um, all these soldiers that would die in that war, like their sacrifice is worth is worth like the the war effort. So anyone who has kids who are joining the military or are in the military just um, realize that Lindsey Graham is saying that them dying is is OK. And of course, you know, him going around uh, the Middle East with um, McCain in 2011 and meeting with the ISIS members, meeting with the leaders who attacked the Benghazi compound and killed Ambassador Christopher Stevens. They met with him a year before that happened. I mean, I cannot overstate how many times Lindsey Graham has been behind like foreign wars. He attacked MBS after MBS came to power and arrested all the corrupt princes. He said he would never deal with it, well, MBS or Saudi Arabia again after uh, Khashoggi was killed. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just he's full of crap, man. He's he's a he's a I did not like Lindsey Graham. I never will. Well, this is the, I mean, this isn't the first time Trump's trolled him. And, you know, again, this is I, I really think that Trump lets him know every single possible chance that he can that, hey, I run this show, not you. This is him in uh, seven months prior in Fort Pick, uh, excuse me, in Pickens, South Carolina. Twice this week as an example that Russia is losing the war to Iraq. Twice. Now, you know, you can make mistakes on occasion. Even Lindsey down here, Senator Lindsey Graham. We love Senator Graham. We're going we're gonna to love him. We're going to love him. I know. It's half and half. But when I need some of those liberal votes, he's always there to help me get them, okay? Some pretty liberal people, but he's good. He's good. We know the good ones. We know the bad ones, too. We got some real bad ones. But even he makes mistakes on occasion. But you can't make a mistake by calling Ukraine Iraq. And then you certainly can't do it a second time because there's something wrong. With the help of everyone here today, we're going to win. The All right. So so there's other uh, one more wow. that I want to play. And that was even more blatant. Than, I haven't seen that video. That's even more blatant than the other one. Well, and then there's this one here where Graham actually gets up on stage and I, I saw a tattooed teacher said he's a little, little man. Yeah, he is. Watch, watch him come to this podium, man. The dude's got to be like five, five at most. Oh, why is it not playing? Come on. Come on. Don't do this. Uh, get in the spinning circle of death. 
It's all right. Um, it's interesting how uh, j just let it load. Um, it's interesting how Trump also like keeps the mic really high as Lindsay's coming up and is like Lindsay has to. I just it's little things like that because if you notice, Trump always lowers the mic for people when they're walking up because he's tall. Um, yeah, and he doesn't. He doesn't do it for Lindsay. All right, let's play this clip here. I mean, this dude, this like reminds me. So I just came from the Ren Renaissance Festival, right? And this reminds me of like something they would do back then where they put you in the stocks and just let people throw, you know, tomatoes at you. Except in this case, like they're they're doing it and they 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 can't say no, but they they have to come up there and they know what's gonna happen when they come up there. I think I mean this is just it's it's awesome. I love watching this calling out the yep. warmongers like that absolutely and ash pointed out in the chat that he's also calling for us to bomb iran right now he's like let's go bomb iran right now which would start world war three um so yeah and anyone wondering well why would you do this why would you do this hum humiliation ritual remember senators have a six-year term i don't remember exactly when lindsey graham was elected last 20, but um 2020 2020 so he's going to be in until 2026 at least um and so he's there i mean he, he's available uh, and this is kind of like art of war kind of stuff. Like you take the enemy and you kind of like use them, use the enemy spies against them. And, uh, so trotting him around on this tour and trotting him out for, yeah, like you said, people to like throw tomatoes at him and, and boo him and Trump's laughing as it's happening. He's almost kind of encouraging it. I mean, it does feel like this is like a collective catharsis, like a collective shaming ritual. And Lindsey Graham really does represent like the RNC. I think he is like the establishment and like Mitch McConnell is, is so like off stage at this point. No one talks about him. He he's never, he doesn't make any appearances. He's obviously senile or like losing his, um, you know, his faculties like, like Joe Biden. Um, so Lindsey Graham is kind of like the new Mitch McConnell. It makes sense that you would have something like this. Like you would prop him up and let people mock him. Yeah. I mean, Mitch is done. I, I, I don't, I think he's already announced that he's not seeking another term. I mean, the dude's, <laughs> And shocker he, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the middle of doing it he paused for 20 seconds and just stared blankly into space uh mm -hmm. so that's not a big deal but graham will continue to run and graham does have uh aspirations to rise in the republican party and trump is just you know he's 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 put he's pulling the choke collar and letting them know who's boss right now that's the other thing is he like he is such a little like like weasel like he he's he like the perfect he, he's the perfect guy who absolutely would jump on board and be like oh like this is he's such an opportunity like an opportunistic little weasel that he would jump on board and be like all right yeah like i'm part of the maga team now like if you as long as y'all will have me it's like all right that's fine but we're gonna like mock you and throw tomatoes at you and you're gonna live in eternal shame yeah he goes wherever the political winds blow him all right let's check out this little clip here from uh msnbc Johnson up there along with a bunch of South Carolina officials, including you heard him um, mention the governor, Henry McMaster, who's the uh, well, governor well, of South Carolina. Mr. Governor, because yes. he doesn't know his name. <laughs> now, if Joe Biden was on a stage with a governor and said Mr. Governor, because he couldn't at that moment think of the name, there would be headlines everywhere. Okay, so. Trump's up there, Mr. Governor, he says, right? And, 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 and he jumps in and says, that's because he can't remember his name. I want you to watch the clip itself and see reality versus what they said. But even more importantly, I think this clip in and of itself 
is really, I, I don't know what to make of this clip. It's something that I never would expect somebody to say that, you know, is facing all the accusations about insurrection and everything else. This clip was really interesting. Uh, they're destroying our country and we're going to, I just wish we could do it quicker. Nine months is a long time. I just wish we could do it quicker, Mr. Governor. I wish we, is there anything you can do with your vast powers to make that, you know, in certain countries, you're allowed to call your election date. If I had the right to do it, I'd do it tomorrow. I'd say we're having an election tomorrow. Henry, is there anything you can do? I want to start off because right from the beginning, Henry McMaster, the governor of this incredible state. and Okay, so he's calling him governor, Mr. Governor, in an official capacity. Like, hey, Mr. President, can you get this done? He calls him Henry while still making eye contact with him. So he knows his first name without the cue card. Then he turns around and says, are the governor Henry McMaster? And in the process, he looks down at the cue card. So, I mean, MSNBC just absolutely insane, you know, just trying to find something to pick at him. The whole speech that they talk about after the show was about Trump's uh, mental uh, uh, coherence. But th what he's saying there, he's like asking the governor of South Carolina, can you move the election up sooner? Is there is there a way that we can look? I know they can't do that for 2024, but I don't know, man. That was just really, really well, interesting. The very uh, this is the first I've, I've heard that. I haven't heard that portion of this um, entire stage uh, appearance but um at the very beginning he says they're destroying our country i only wish we could do it faster obviously he's talking about the election when he says it but just the sequence of language there i mean it just made me think of immediately of accelerationism and it's like he's he's basically it's it, it felt like he was talking about accelerationism and not the elect the election being tomorrow so interesting uh yeah. little moment there and 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 the governor McMaster's keeps pointing to the podium like I don't know if he's pointing like hey it's right there or hey you want me to come up there and speak but he keeps pointing to the podium and and you know Trump never acknowledges it he just continues on but uh, I I thought that was really interesting um, if it wasn't for Trump and the way he speaks and the 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 subtle uh, you know nuanced double meanings that he has with a lot of the things he said I'd be like why is somebody running for uh president you know trying to talk about subverting the the constant well the federally mandated date of the election it's just it was really strange um i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm overlooking it no no i think that was an interesting clip thanks for sharing that and uh, lawrence o'donnell by the way i like should i start getting glasses that i put on and take off and like a pin that i bite on like would that make me a more credible news anchor if i if i like like brett bear take off my glasses and kind of chew on them a little bit like i mean really really deep thought and then just say uh, something really stupid and like surface level i guess you gotta have you know wireframe glasses in order to be intellectual i mean ash has glasses and she's way smarter than me so maybe maybe there is something to it there that glasses <laughs> increase your iq like 20 points i don't know but let's go ahead and play this clip here uh this is another one and this one just absolutely ticks me off because not because of what they said they're actually factually correct here but i'll, I'll, I'll here you just check this out the you know saying that the auto workers are with him when as you mentioned the auto workers just endorsed um joe biden but in terms okay now that clip pisses me off because Maddow's correct. The UAW did endorse Joe Biden, 
But this was the UAW president, Sean Fain. And I think on Friday I mentioned this briefly and I said Sean Farah. It's Sean Fain, excuse me. This was him on Neil Cavuto the day, the day that the UAW endorsed Joe Biden. Listen to this. Look, every, this is what makes this country, you know, uh, a beacon for other countries. You know, it's, it's democracy in action. Um, look, let me be clear about this. A great majority of our members will not vote for President Biden. Uh, yes, some will. Uh, but that's the reality of this. Uh, the majority of our members are going to vote their paychecks. They're going to vote for an economy that works for them, and they're going to vote for a president. When you look at these two presidents, the choice is very clear about which one stands up with the working class and stands up for labor and which one stands for the billionaire class. And that's his base. We so watch. To me, that is like one of the most disgusting uh, revelations as a, as a member of the UAW that I could ever have. Your president went up there and said, a great majority of our members will never vote for Joe Biden. And then in the very next, you know, in a statement that was released that day, the UAW said, we're endorsing Joe Biden. Yeah, it's it, it's elitism on, on parade, man. I mean, it's absolute elitism on parade. And uh, on Neil Cavuto, of all things, Cavuto is just the epitome of a, of a eunuch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And, and I agree. I mean, the fact that they're sitting there like, well, everyone in the UAE is going to vote or, or UAW is going to vote for uh, for Trump. So uh, or vote for the paycheck, which is saying vote for Trump. But we're going to endorse Biden because we're oligarchs and that's what, you know, oligarchs stick together. And we want to we're clinging to power. I mean, that is the just full on manifestation of oligarchs clinging to power. That's what you just saw. I mean, you should immediately be, uh, you know, bringing all the members together to evict him to, you know, I don't know what the process is in a union to get, to get rid of your, your, your leadership. But I mean, how do you not at that point when you oh, have the, the irony, union, I, I the irony of a union functioning this way now, right? Well, I, I mean, th that's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, moving to the point where, you know, union members are rising up against their leadership because their leadership is endorsing the person that they, the, that the, the union has, you know, pretty much endorsed for the last, you know, three or four decades, and they just blindly jump in again. I mean, we talked about the Teamsters Union, uh, the Teamsters going, uh, giving $45,000 to the RNC. It's the first time they're going to participate in both conventions in two decades, two decades since the Teamsters has participated in the, uh, in the Republican primary, uh, excuse me, Republican convention. Uh, this is a massive, massive shift, and, and you're not hearing much about it in, in the mainstream media. Yeah, I mean, unions were created to subvert oligarchs, you know, and during the Industrial Revolution. And now we need, I guess, like a new form of unions. Not really. I'm just joking. But uh, like to subvert the oligarchs who've taken over the unions because the unions have become the new oligarchs. Yeah, I, I have a friend down here that's in a union. It's not I see somebody just put the IBEW in a uh, International Brotherhood of Electric Electrical Workers. Um, it, he's not in the IBEW, but he's in a similar um, union. I don't want to, you know, dox anybody, but, um, in 20, in 2012, 26 and, uh, excuse me, 2008, 2012, he was a huge Obama supporter in 2016. Uh, he supported Hillary. And then in 2020, he supported Trump. And, you know, I started talking to him about this and he's like, Oh, my union, you know, uh, supported, you know, the candidates leading up to there, but he's like in 2020, I just couldn't, I couldn't get behind him. I mean, I, I saw what we were going to get 
And and I, I just couldn't get now he's like gung ho for Trump, like Trump stickers on his truck, like all that stuff. Like, damn, I mean, that's a that's a huge, huge, huge shift when you have that kind of somebody that's towed the line with their with their union up until this particular election coming up. That's a that's a monumental shift. Funny how that works. I know. Right. All <laughs> right. Let's go ahead and jump into our next sponsor. We got a a few uh, actual election stories that we're going to talk about regarding uh, not just South Carolina, but another USA Today article that came out. But before we do that, let's go ahead and jump into Gold Co., ladies and gentlemen. Are you concerned about the $6 trillion at stake in the upcoming 2024 election? The Wall Street Journal has reported a critical issue, the looming decision on extending tax cuts scheduled to expire after 2025. Republicans advocate for extending Trump's tax cuts while Democrats lean towards letting them expire and increasing taxes on top earners and corporations, potentially creating a massive $6 trillion gap. But fear not, there's always a way to protect yourself from impending threats. Join the thousands of hardworking Americans who are taking proactive steps to safeguard their savings. Visit BadlandsGold.com to claim your free 2024 gold and silver kit and fortify everything you've worked for. You may even qualify for up to 10% back in bonus silver, but hurry, those supplies are limited. Leave, Don't leave your financial future to chance. Act now to diversify and shield your savings against the uncertainties ahead. Get your free 2024 gold and silver kit today at Badlands badlandsgold.com and take control of your financial destiny again that's badlandsgold.com and uh y'all know me i'm a huge proponent of silver i like gold but silver gold gold is sexy silver is functional and so <laughs> uh, you know gold gold is i mean gold's nice right but everybody wants gold it's been the age-old you know uh denomination that that we use but silver man it's got a lot of you know technological uses and everything else but that's let's true. jump into this. Let's jump into this story from USA Today. Who's running this election anyway? High turnover and threats plague election offices. Now, this article is too good to go through entirely here. Uh, so we are we'll probably cover this on Friday on why we vote because this is absurd. I mean, they literally contradict themselves throughout this entire article. But let's dive into it a little bit here. It says. Uh, Carrie Ann Burgess's turn in the crucible known, uh, she's the, uh, Washoe County, Washu, Washu County, uh, register of voter office. Excuse me. Let me, let me try this again. Washu County registrar, registrar of voters offices where every one of the 18 people who worked there during the 2020 election has quit statewide. Almost every election administration has left in the past three and a half years. So they're talking about all these election officials. You know, they focus on Washu County here, which I believe is in Nevada. Uh, which ironically had their uh, problems with their last election that we covered on Friday's Why We Vote. Uh, they're, they're all backing out. They're all quitting. And, and to be fair, the, a lot of the scrutiny that's placed on them is, is undue. Uh, a lot of these people are just following policies and procedures in place, and they really don't know. There are some, you know, there's some maladministration, of course, and that always needs to be called out. But it goes on to say a similar pattern is playing out nationally with tens of thousands of longtime election workers harassed out of their jobs by a small cadre of self-appointed voting experts and critics who have hounded clerks to switch to paper ballots, demanded hand-counted results, and insisted that they be allowed to participate in ways that are normally barred specifically because they can introduce errors. Now, I, I just find that incredibly ironic that uh, those ways can introduce errors. Hand-marked paper ballots, hand-counted results, 
I mean, sure, there may be errors, but it's easy to remedy those errors. Unlike when machines go down and it takes a whole team of, of geeks that went to college for eight years and have computer science degrees to be able to remedy those problems. It says, quote, yeah. it's not. Go ahead. You want to chime in? Well, well um, you bring up an interesting point. I just wanted to point out that the big difference between the machines and the paper ballots, I'd say the fundamental difference is that there is a there's a barrier to entry. There's a there's a firewall between the machines and understanding, like being able to look at it as yeah. just a lay person and understand it. Um, you have to understand like the technology you have to under, you have to have a background in that stuff in order to under, like, there's a lot of research versus the, the paper ballots. Any moron can walk up and look at paper ballots and understand who voted for who. And then look at the signatures or whatever, like whatever it is you're verifying. And are, is this a legitimate ballot? Is, has this been photocopied, you know, et cetera. So that's the fundamental difference. I think it's important to distinguish that. Yeah, you know, looking at that that paragraph right there, a small cadre of self-appointed voting experts. Well, I would consider myself to be not an expert, but one of those self-appointed critics. Uh, you know, I think I'm an expert on a lot of the information that came out. I couldn't tell you anything, uh, you know, technical in terms of expertise. You know, I can't get into the details of of the systems that are being used, and that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's a mm -hmm. problem when only a small minority excuse me, if a, a small minority of people that are trained in this type of technology are able to insert their expertise, that shouldn't be the case. I mean, our elections should be something that every single human being with an IQ over, say, 50 is able to understand. You count a ballot. If it's hand-marked, you count it. He counts it. He counts it. He counts it. As long as it, you know everything checks out, the ballot's good to go. When you have these machines, that's a massive problem. It goes on to say, quote, it's not that turnover is something new, said Tammy Patrick. Now keep that name fresh in your mind here. CEO for programs at the National Association of Election Officials. What's new is the scope of it, the depth of it, the scale of it. Those who have left the field, it's understandable. A person can only take so much. The unprecedented turnover means that elections today are being run by less experienced workers at every level. Uh, one nonpartisan group concluded departing election officials took with them a collective 1,800 years of experience from a system that until 2020 was widely considered the international gold standard. We're, we're going to unpack this like way more in depth on Friday, but right there, eight, taking away 1,800 years of experience, the, our ex, the experience is dog shit. I'm sorry to, to use foul language there, but... Uh, the transparency from the 2020 election, the maladministration, the errors that occurred in that election are mind blowing, the, 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 the magnitude of them. And then further, it says a system that until 2020 was widely considered the international gold standard. That, of course, Ash is probably like screaming at her, whatever she's listening on right now. She's probably screaming, there's that gold standard again. Georgia says they're the gold standard. Colorado says they're the gold standard. Every state says they're the gold standard. This is no different. 2020, we never had universal mail-in balloting at the scale that we had in 2020. It's not even apples to apples to compare uh, 2020 with any previous election. Yeah, and you brought an interesting thing. You said something interesting before, and... When you first started reading the quote, the small cadre of, of people, the first thing I thought of is like, wait a minute, you're describing the people who actually installed this Dominion voting machine thing and put us in the situation in the first place. That's the small cadre of people. It's not the small, the small cadre aren't the people trying to go back to paper ballots. That's the, the populist majority of America yes. wants that because that's what makes the most sense because we can understand that. I'm a dummy when it comes to like IT stuff. 
So I want to be able to look like I want to feel the ink with my fingers. I want to be able to look at the, the paper ballots. I don't want to have to rely outsource my trust to somebody who knows computers in order to know the election is safe and secure. 100%. Uh, reading on here, it says, quote, there's an increase in trust in elections today, said Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab, a Republican. They always throw that in there when it's a Republican. It's like their, their token badge right there. Uh, quote, it's just the folks who trust elections are not as loud as the people who don't. No, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. Let me play this clip right here from CNN. Do you think Biden legitimately won the 2020 election? Here in South Carolina, in this primary today, only a third, 32%, say that he did legitimately win. Only a third give the correct answer to this question. Two-thirds, 65%, wrongly say that Joe Biden did not legitimately win the 2020 election, but that is what they believe. Okay. I've got all sorts of issues with that. First and foremost, he's telling you. A third of them gave the right answer. The other two thirds gave the wrong answer. They wrongly said that there's so. So when when you have somebody saying that, oh, you know, it's the small majority that are, or excuse me, a small group that are just louder. That's all they are. Remember what what he said what was his exact words. He said, uh, "It's just the folks who trust elections are not as loud as the people who don't." That's not true at all. That's not true at all. It's it, it's exactly the opposite of that. The other issue I have, and I put this out on Twitter, I've, I've taken it down since because it was just it was a little too too rough on how I said it. But these people, you know, these CNN talking heads, they 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 live in inside. It's not even an, an, an echo chamber. It is a one way conversation where they get to talk to you, and they never have to take any pushback whatsoever about what they are trying to tell you. And so people like us, like me and Ash and, 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 and some of the folks on Badlands that have been talking about elections, Chris Paul, we get, we get censored for doing so. And, and so, yeah, I just wanted to harp on hey, that a little. Hey, the link I just threw in the private chat, just share that screen real quick. It's, it's, a, it's like a graphic. Because um, okay, I, I think it's important, like what they're complaining about. They're you complaining about. Screen, dude. Huh? You can oh, just share your screen. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm a dummy. Let me just share my screen. Sorry. Well, I got it up now. Okay. It does well, not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. Yeah. So they're, complain they're complaining about this. They're saying that this is a problem. And it's like, bro, this is what democracy is supposed to be. Yeah. Well, let's jump back into this because, you know, we'll go through this a lot more on uh, on why we vote. But the last thing it says down here, it says a recent study found that at least half of all Americans in 11 Western states live in counties where the top election official has quit since the 2020 presidential election. Expert, experts say the loss of experienced workers could cause problems like having ballots printed on paper that's too short. It's already happened. Pens that bleed through ballots already happened and potentially mess up computerized counts already happened. Let me read that again, folks. This is the USA Today telling people that experts say the loss of these experienced poll workers could cause problems like having, oh, problems that already existed, ballots that were printed on paper too small, pens that bleed through, <laughs> potentially messed up computerized counts. All of this already happened. And then it yeah, goes I mean, on to say, oh, go ahead. Well, the, well, two days yeah, I was saying, hold on, hold on. Yeah, let me finish. Yeah, yeah, I want to finish. I want to drive this home. It says, Patrick, remember that woman, Patrick, Tammy Patrick, the CEO of the whatever 
NGO she's now the head of, probably collecting a nice six-figure salary. Patrick, who used to serve as the federal compliance officer for the Maricopa County Elections Department in Arizona, said the internal checks and balances that have always helped make American elections safe and reliable would generally prevent any bad actors from significantly altering results. But she also acknowledged the systems were primarily designed to prevent honest mistakes, not stop criminal behavior. <laughs> so hold on. She said, uh, she says internal checks and balances that have always helped make American elections safe and reliable would generally prevent any bad actors from significantly altering results. And then at the very next paragraph, USA Today says she also acknowledged that the systems prevent honest mistakes, but they don't stop criminal behavior. <laughs> this had to have been written by AI. I mean, seriously, though, it's so like, like the two things are number one, they're they're like propping up or holding up this uh, this idea that being an election worker, running an election requires some sort of sophisticated, privileged, earned knowledge. And that, you know, a bunch of elementary school kids couldn't um, like host an election to elect their school president, like for among like the, the, the students, which we did when I was in elementary school. So it's like that, like. Elementary school children can hold an election among themselves. It's ridiculous to think that we need like privileged, like very experienced people to run a damn election. And then number two, I would also say, like you said, the people who have experience, extensive experience, have obviously failed at their job. So I don't want them anywhere near the next election. Yep. And then lastly, it says still she expects the 2024 election to be the most secure ever precisely because election officials are now more on guard than ever. This whole article is about election off officials rolling over and all these noobs coming in that have no idea what the hell they're doing. And then she's like, yeah, but this one's going to be the safest one ever. It's like Chris Krebs on steroids, the environmental lawyer coming out and saying safest ever. And how do these idiots fail upward? Maricopa County has been one of the biggest disasters in elections. And this woman who was the federal, what was it? The federal compliance officer for Maris Maricopa County Elections Department is now the CEO for programs at the National Association of Election Officials. Well, I, failing up. Failing upward would suggest nepotism. Um, it would also suggest uh, corruption, and it would also, in the context of government, would suggest uh, criminal misconduct. So that 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 that's how I would I would respond to that question. Yep. All right. Let's jump into this article here that I wrote over the weekend. Here we go again. South Carolina voters unable to vote reportedly due to internet being out. Voters told to put ballots in another slot. Now, this occurred in Richland County, South Carolina, at the Satchel Ford Elementary School precinct relatively small issue. It wasn't widespread. It didn't happen too many other places. I don't think it happened any other place that I've found so far. I have reached out to Richland County's elections to figure out what happened, how it was remedied, all this. We'll see if they get back with me. I'm not holding my breath on that. Uh, they do use the ESNS DS200 optical scanners, as well as the ESNS express poll and express vote systems over there. Um, they ended up telling people, well, let me, let me play the clip right here. So, uh, well, actually, hold on. Let me play this clip first. 
Good morning. We're at Satchel Ford Elementary here in Columbia, South Carolina. Polls opened at 7 o'clock this morning, and I'm already hearing from voters that there could be some suspicion around the way they're able to cast their ballots. I actually was just speaking with one gentleman who just finished casting his ballot, came out to us and explained exactly what is going on inside. Could you break that down for us, what you told me? I'd be happy to. My name's Tony Burks, and uh, I've lived here in the neighborhood 37 years always voted here and uh, submitted my ballot. It's a paper ballot into the scanner, got an error. Poll worker comes over, says that I'm gonna have to fold it and slide it in another slot. that looked kind of like a trash can and said they didn't have internet. So I walked out scratching my head and there were a number of other voters all right. So he, he's told to fold his ballot and put it into door number three. I'm sorry, into a, a, a bin underneath it. We might as well call it door number three. That's Dominion's uh, thing, not ES&S. But I mean, this is Maricopa all over again, which I've still got a lot of questions now. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, say too much about what I think the issue was, but he specifically said it was at the scanner and that the internet wasn't working there. I, I've talked, I've been all weekend. I've been, you know, chipping away at, at the people I know uh, that are, that are experts on this. And, and it doesn't seem like the internet being down at the scanner. Now DS, the DS 200s do have an option to include a modem or a landline connection. So this isn't like anything unusual. Um, the EAC won't certify them or they're not supposed to certify them if they have those modems in them, but they, they do have the capability, but it makes no sense why that would prevent the ballot from being scanned. This sounds like something more having to do with either the programming of the, of the scanner itself or the printing of the ballot itself, which, uh, you know, I had another friend send me an article talking about how vulnerable systems are specifically through printers. Um, I, so I really, I really appreciate it, Tony. He seems like a good salt of the earth, good old Georgia boy. Um, love that accent, man. I, I went to school with guys from Georgia like that. And uh, those are the people that are going to save this country is guys like Tony. So I'm, it just gives me a white pill seeing stuff like this. Now, I, I just want to play Bannon's reaction because I've been saying this for a long time. So, so Bannon, he's, he's, you know, very outspoken about the election, the 2020 election, very outspoken that it was stolen but he doesn't believe up until today, he doesn't believe that the machines really had anything to do with it. And let's just play this clip. Oh. All of a sudden, so this happened in Richland County. Machine yes. guy. Michelle, you're going to be on real. <laughs> That's all I want to play. All of a sudden, I think I'm becoming a machine guy as the <laughs> machines go down because of uh, internet connectivity. Yeah. Alleged. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So they are connected to the internet though. I mean, I thought that was a big counterpoint, but I guess not. So. Well, I, I mean, again, there's until we get some official statements from Richland County as to what happened, all we really have is what that guy was told by a poll worker. So it's yeah. hearsay mm -hmm. at best. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll find out more and more as we dig into this. But, you know, to, to the point of all the people out there, that are like 2020, you guys are uh, election deniers and, you know, all this other stuff. Trump won South yes. Carolina. I don't think there was I, I am an election denier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't I think there was ever any question that Trump was going to win South Carolina. And by continuing to figure out what the heck happened there, um, you know, I, I don't care who won. You know, I don't care if Trump and, and Trump won by what he was supposed to win by. I care that there was an issue that took place 
on people voting and people were not able to cast their ballot in the way that everybody else was able to cast their their ballot and we need to figure out what the hell happened so regardless yeah. of the winner adjudicate it Pro prove to me that your guy won and then when trump wins in, in in november assuming he does like assuming they don't steal it um i'm happy to crack open the machines and show you how trump won so like prove to me that your guy won and and then we can put this to bed but they don't want to do that so until they yeah. do, I will accuse you of being a criminal. I will accuse you of being um, an insurrectionist and a traitor. Yeah, and the, the last thing is, uh, you know, a lot of people were also saying uh, that in South Carolina, they vote on hand-marked paper ballots. And, you know, th a lot of them have, you know, they can run their hand-marked paper ballots through the DS-200s, but I, I, I don't know that they all do. And that's because every single time I saw, you know, video over the on Saturday of people voting, they were voting on the express vote, not the not handmarked paper ballots. Just watch this here. And this I can mute this because there's not any talking. But these these are BMBs. These are just like the devices that Halderman hacked in in Curling v. Raffensburger. Obviously, that was Dominion, not not ESNS, but they have similar vulnerabilities. And just watch the people voting. They're not hand marking a paper ballot. They're punching, they're punching uh, you know, numbers on a screen which prints out your ballot which has a barcode on it which your your ballot is read in a barcode and we've talked about this ad nauseum on why we vote that you're able to manipulate the uh the the barcodes to read whatever the hell they want and you would never know so we'll just uh we'll end that there mm -hmm. all right last thing uh on elections for uh, thus far, I don't know if you caught this piece in the Atlantic, but this sounds like a, consp uh, a conspiracy to commit insurrection uh, from the Atlantic. How Democrats could disqualify Trump if the Supreme Court doesn't without clear guidance from the court. House Democrats suggest that they might not certify a Trump win on January 6th. Now, before everybody gets all, you know, howdy towdy about this, um, they they have quotes from Swalwell, Schiff and Raskin in here, and they basically say, like, if the Supreme Court doesn't rule that Trump is allowed to be on the ballot, uh, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And most of them say we're going to vote to certify him. It's this is this is more a a kind of a, a, a rallying the base type article from The Atlantic. It's it's pretty disgusting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, The Atlantic is, you know, they're one of like the taste setters for the globalist um, uniparty hegemony. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to put their doesn't surprise me that this article comes from someone like them because they're they're the ones who throw they throw shit at the wall uh pasta at the wall and see what sticks right it's like that, like that's what they're doing here and so they're trying to figure out ways how can we subvert u.s sovereignty and the you know um the will of the people um if we can't if the supreme court fails to do what we need them to do howdy yes american 23 says howdy towdy i don't know is that is that a is that a is that a thing i don't know uh, what howdy, howdy towdy what does that mean? I don't I don't know what that means. It just sound like like gibberish to me and it it sounded like fitting. So I I, I don't know if maybe I misused that. Did I misuse that? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, I wouldn't know. I don't know what howdy towdy is. So I wouldn't care if I did, but hoity toity. Maybe they mean hoity toity. That hoity toity. Hoity toity, which means like uppity. Yeah. Up yeah. I mean the old the Atlantic is yes, the epitome of uppity oligarchs who um the children of of more um capable and competent men i would say um the they're like the spoiled rotten children who are the less competent versions of their parents all right well we're making fun of cancon today because i misused my my my, my words i misused <laughs> the words folks
was it had paper ballots but brought my own pen uh says th12 too all right all right let's go ahead and jump into this article here from the gateway pundit robert Hur couldn't determine who had access to president biden's stolen classified docs because all the security logs were deleted at the Penn Biden Center. Go figure, right? Uh, mm. According to her, Joe Biden kept more than 600 pages of classified documents in unlocked drawers, closets at the Penn Biden Center and stored them in dilapidated boxes in his Delaware garage. Real Clear Investigations reporter Paul Sperry tweeted out, her could not determine who had access to Biden's unsecured classified docs or whether they passed through foreign hands because the Penn Biden Center security deleted all the visitors logs from 2017 to 2021 quote we cannot account for all visitors to the center uh their executive assistant referred to in hers report was none other than uh biden's gatekeeper kathy chung who originally and by the way guys this is kind of a, a rerun again we knew this from james comer's interview like six or seven months ago that kathy chung said they kept you know the these classified documents all over dc including in an office in chinatown so this isn't exactly you know breaking but the the deletion of the the uh the logs that's new to me it says chung appointed her to a cushy job at the pentagon as lloyd austin's assistants where she has access to the nation's most highly sensitive materials still it went on to say, quote, in October 2017, Chung re relocated 15 boxes a few blocks away to the newly built Penn Biden Center on the sixth floor of another D.C. office building, included some of the documents that were marked top secret. He goes on to write other documents were left in boxes stacked in unlocked storage closets, refuting initial White House claims that they were stored in a quote unquote locked closet. Remarkably, the entire office suite was never locked up, which meant virtually anybody could get who got past the security guard in the lobby of the building had access to the classified files that were stored there. Mr. Biden's office did not lock. He had no lock on his office. Mr. Biden's office did not lock and the adjoining outer office where Mr. Biden's executive assistant maintained his files was always accessible through Mr. Biden's office. In a footnote, her added that the vice president's office could only be locked from the inside with a panic button. Goes on to say in 2019, visitors no longer needed a key fob or a security escort to access the floor where all the stolen classified documents were stored. According to her's report reviewed by his reporter, as Paul Sperry noted, the Penn Biden Center received millions of dollars from Chinese donate donors and even hosted a symposium with the CCP officials. I mean, that is nuts, man. It is. I mean, wow. and considering considering how long we've known about this, like we've known yeah. about documents being at the at this location, the fact that we're just now like I don't know if this is a new revelation, but I assume it is the fact that there wasn't a lock on the door. Seems like that would be like a really easy thing to figure out and to report like pretty soon after the revelation that there were documents at this location so it does kind of suggest that there's a little bit of like deployment happening here but um yeah i would defer to kyle on when on on the her report he uh kyle is just human i assume everyone listening probably is aware of his uh, expertise with this stuff but go find him on rumble find him on twitter um he's done multiple shows going through the actual documents looking at the source documents reading through um, exhaustively and showing the details. And I think there's value in that. We talked about that at GART. Um, John does it with the devolution stuff. You and Ash do it with the election integrity stuff. It makes you an authority. You're not outsourcing your, you know, you're not outsourcing the knowledge to somebody else who's read it and, and then interpreting it for you. You're looking at it yourself. And I just think there's a lot of value in that. There's been a lot of like 
you know, articles and not, well, yeah, articles. I think uh, NBC, I think, had an article up about this. Uh, there's been a couple of videos that have been going around going pretty viral about, you know, Trump, when, he, when he's reelected, all he wants to do is punish his political opposition, the guys that have, you know, retribution kind of thing. And, and I'm like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's, that's fine with me. And mm -hmm. you, you, look at, you look at the glaring uh, hypocrisy in, in these situations where you have the ghostwriter who deleted, you know, the conversations that he recorded with Joe Biden after this uh, report was was initiated um, you, you, and compare that with William Nada, who is being criminally charged for conspiring to delete evidence. He didn't even delete it. He conspired to delete it and he's being criminally charged in the ghostwriter. He did it. He physically deleted the evidence after the initiate of the initiation of the investigation and they're like oh it was it was a harmless mistake you know mm. you look at uh deleting the visitor logs how many times have we you know we have no visitor logs for joe biden's delaware house uh while he was quote unquote president uh you look at you know obviously hillary clinton with the bleach bit yo you mean like wipe it with with like with like a cloth with bleach uh you know deleting the or excuse me breaking up the um the, the, the blackberries with a hammer, like you just look at what they're able to do and get away with. And at some point with what they're doing to Trump, you, you got it. You got to get retribution, man. Yeah. Yeah. And Trump's playing it, playing it right right now. He's playing it like, like, I'm not really worried about revenge. Like I'm like revenge is me is success, which I think is a great line and um, where he needs to be. He needs to be, he needs to be like the, the wise kind of a uh, leader right now while let and, and allow all of us to kind of be angry and vindictive to to an extent because we deserve to be vindictive at this point given what these people have done to, to us like as a nation um yes we need to be vindictive and we do need to be vigilant and seeking um closure seeking catharsis seeking consequence um, because if we don't have consequence if we don't have enforcement of law then the law doesn't exist uh, and if the law doesn't exist, we don't have a country. So it is what it is. I mean, criminals can sit here and try to negotiate their way out of a, uh, you know, out of trouble. But at a certain point, you just have to prosecute them and be done with it. Yeah, here's here's one of these videos. I want to play one of these because, <laughs> I mean, this is like the greatest campaign speech ever, and she doesn't, or you know, campaign video ever, and she's she's not intending it to be that. We need to talk about Project Twenty Twenty Five. Project 2025 is an agenda created by Republicans for the next Republican president. Their plan is to reshape the entire executive branch by firing and replacing federal workers that they deem the deep state. They also plan to slash Department of Justice funding by dismantling the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security. Lastly, they plan to completely Basically. eliminate the Departments of Education and Commerce, in addition to Basically. gutting climate change regulations in favor of fossil fuel production. Finally, Project 2025 would immediately invoke the Insurrection Act of 1807 to deploy military for domestic law enforcement incidents, and they would direct the DOJ to pursue anyone they deem as Trump enemies. This is not a far-fetched plan. This plan is happening and is led by the Heritage Foundation in collaboration with 80-plus other conservative organizations. All of this will go into effect if Donald Trump wins the presidency in November of 2024. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> 
I don't know if she's like a Zoomer or, you know, like if this is a Zoomer brand or whatever. There's a few things to pick apart here. One, uh, the first time I saw this video is that it was like went viral or whatever, or people were, were at least sharing it. I thought she was like pro Trump. I thought she was posting this. As, I know. Like, uh, that's how stupid this like this is. Uh, the thing she says about the Heritage Foundation and, and Chris kind of touched on this on Saturday night. Um, I've read a lot of that. I've read some of the report and uh, like him. I was actually disappointed when I read a lot of it because they were talking about like reforming a lot of these agencies as opposed to abolishing them. So she's actually not being genuine when she says it. she's probably again, she's outsourcing her thinking to other people. She probably read in the article somewhere. Somebody said that that's this is their plan. This is actually not the specific plan that she's referring to. The specific plan she's referring to is talking about reforming a lot of these agencies and making them, you know, patriot agencies. But things like the Department of Homeland Security should absolutely be abolished because it was created on false pretenses with, with the Patriot Act. Um, I would encourage every person to go out and learn about their local chamber of commerce in their city, municipality or whatever, because out, you know, in rural areas, I'm sure it probably is on the up and up or maybe who knows. But if you go to like metro areas and you look at the chamber of commerce, you will find that they operate in a very kind of like gray area between private and public. Um, and it's very nefarious. Like if you go look at it, there, there's often a lot of malevolence associated with, um, chamber of commerce and being selective and in, in like picking winners and losers in the marketplace and that kind of thing. So, um, there are a lot of these criticisms that she is bringing up, not, not necessarily the report she's citing are very fair. I think a lot of these things should be abolished. Yes. 100%. And, and I, I'd be really curious for her to do a video on agenda 2030 by the, you know, on the contrary and see what she thinks about that. She's probably, I, I don't know if she'd be rooting on that. Like, Hey, you know, you're no longer going to be able to eat, drink your Starbucks. You're going to have to drink uh, you know, ground up cricket meal. I, I don't know, man. I, I would love to see that. But uh, speaking of the, you know, the, her report and everything that came out of there, the decrepit old man and all that stuff, we talked about, you know, the, the MSNBC and CNN going after, uh, going after uh, Donald Trump for his mental uh, incompetence, et cetera, et cetera. Dude, Italy just straight up punked Joe Biden. Check out this little like Saturday Night Live-esque skit they did of Joe Biden. Buonasera, Presidente Biden. Presidente. Good evening, Mr. Pre no, President uh, Biden. They're making President. fun of us so bad, man. Here we are, President. We're a joke. Presi uh, President Biden. Qui. Here. Yes, yes. Good evening. Buonasera. As yes. Eh? I said to the President of Israel, si. Mikhail Gorbachev. No, no, non è Gorbachev, non è Gorbachev, il Presidente dell'Israele, no, no. Sorry, Michael Jordan. <laughs> No, 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 no. When he went to the moon, quando è andato sulla luna, and uh, it was shot as Mars. No, Mars attack. Ma che Mars attack? No. Beautiful film. Eh? Where Netanyahu sang. No, ma Netanyahu, no. Netanyahu è, è, è Non cantava. Over, over. Over. The garage. No, the rainbow era. Vabbè. He's opened by this. Cosa fa? Dove va, Presidente? Cosa fa? Presidente? Mr. President. Oh, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, stay, stay, stay uh, quiet. Ecco. Uh, okay. Uh, no, no. 
please, please, please. Oh, man. All right, you get the point. Did you see the clip of Trump making fun of uh, Biden? Yes, from the from the Black yeah, Conservative got, Foundation. He, like, he just nails it, man. Like, he nails he it. He, he really distills it to, like, the essence of what Biden does, and um, it's great. Uh, Let me see if I can find that. Yeah, so uh, while you're looking for it, I'll just say that um, – this is the whole world's watching this. The whole world is seeing it. They're seeing what we're seeing. Um, w- of course, we're a laughing stock. And frankly, we were a laughing stock before Trump was in office. I mean, people around the world did not take us seriously because they un- they understood how corrupt we were and how like awful our State Department was to our foreign allies and how we mistreated people and used coercion and malevolence and th- and you know threatening sanctions and military action. And McGregor was posting about this yesterday, actually on Twitter. Her ex. Um, like saying the same thing, saying that we use like sanctions and military intervention as uh, a carrot and in like in, in U.S. foreign aid as like a carrot and a stick to force um, other countries to do what we want. Yeah, I think this is it here. Donald Trump is the funniest president ever. Yes, that's why you can never be sort of cute and jokey. And, you know, when I imitate Biden because he can't find his way off the stage, as you all know. He makes a speech that lasts usually about a minute and a half because the octane starts to wear off at a point. <laughs> you ever notice he starts off strong within about two minutes, he can't talk anymore. And then he walks off. You ever notice he always goes like this? <laughs> then he comes back up to the mic and he's looking, he's totally lost. There's stairs all over the place. He can go there, there, here. He could jump off the front of the damn plot. But he always, he always goes like this. And then there's a stair right there, right? Then he starts. Pretty epic, man. What are we gonna do when Trump like retires from politics, man? I mean, politics is just gonna go back to being really boring. I mean, and and I will say that if you go back and you watch like great stand-up acts from decades of the past, what makes a great comedian is their ability to be like to observe reality, observe human nature, and then like provide accurate, truthful commentary on it. And he that that's what makes Trump so funny and such a great like stand-up comedian is he's able to do that too. Uh, yeah. so great yeah, he, he, he got a lot of flack from, you know, the leftists in there because he had some, some, uh, remarks during that speech that, uh, the people loved the people. I mean, he was talking to, I think it was the black, the BCF, the black conservative foundation, I believe. And, uh, you know, he made like a remark like, Oh, the, the lights are too bright. I can, I can only see the black people. I can't see the white people. Or he said something like that. And, and they loved it. They were laughing their ass off and they're like, Oh, it's so racist. Nikki Haley's like, he's so racist. And then he goes on. He's like, I created opportunity zones. I created the first steps act. I, uh, historic funding for, uh, uh, long-term funding for the historical black colleges. And like, he lists all these things. And it's like, Yo, if that's what you're going to gripe over is a comment he made about the bright lights in his face and not being able to see the white people, then, uh, yeah, y- y- you completely and totally missed that whole speech because he killed it in that speech. I clipped a lot of parts of that, uh, you know, where he talked about, uh, you know, the white liberals. He he, he mentions white liberals uh, creating violently dangerous situations in urban cities. And 
it was a great speech, man. If you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. Yeah. And, and it's almost like people forgot, have forgotten about this really popular television, cable television show, maybe one of those popular shows of all time that came out like 22 years ago called Chappelle Show, where mm. he would make fun of white people. He'd make fun of black people. And he would talk about race like the same way they talk about race today, but he would talk about it truthfully and he would just make accurate commentary and everyone loved it and everyone thought it was hilarious. And it only lasted like two or three seasons um, because yeah. they, they MK altered him. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is, but the truth, is the truth is the truth is the truth is the truth and it will never be anything other but the truth. Right. Yep. Well, uh, speaking of uh, craziness, uh, persecutions, we talked about that uh, earlier. Letitia James has been tweeting this for the last like three or four days. Every day she's tweeting the increments that Trump's um, uh, penalty under their completely bogus uh, persecution their civil case. She's been tweeting this every single day. You can see she's adding the 114,000 in, um, you know, extra uh, interest until he pays off this, this uh, thing in 30 days, they're going to go seize the property. We talked about all that, but now we got this here in the continuation of the weaponization of the justice system in New York city from NBC news, jury finds NRA and Wayne LaPierre liable in civil corruption trial. Now, Full disclosure, I could not care less about the NRA. As a avid gun enthusiast, I am a lifetime member of the NRA, but that's only because I signed up for it uh, a long time ago when I was an NRA firearms instructor. I still have certifications in the in NRA, NRA disciplines, but I, I honestly, I couldn't care less about the NRA. When they flipped on the bump stock ban, and what was, there was another thing that they flipped uh, on. Kyle Rittenhouse. They, they didn't stand yes. with Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And, and so they've lost me. They've Done. lost me. Done with the NRA. And Dana Loesch and her husband uh, supported DeSantis and turned their back on Trump. And then um, actually me and her husband, her husband and I were going back and forth on X about that. And he was trying to say, well, I actually know Trump unlike you. So I'm actually friends with him. So I know what I'm talking about here. And I said, oh, well, you're actually a scumbag then because you're not going to support a guy that you claim to be great friends with. What kind of friend are you? Yeah. So, I mean, these people are they're they're awful, man. They're awful. From the article here, it says Wayne LaPierre diverted millions of dollars away from the National Rifle Association to live luxuriously while the gun rights group failed to properly manage its finances, a jury found on Friday. The case against the NRA was brought on by a lawsuit filed in 2020 by New York Attorney General Letitia James, who accused LaPierre and other current and former executives of flouting state laws and internal policies to enrich themselves. So first, right off the bat, Okay, they're being accused that the NRA as a whole is being recused, uh, accused of financial wrongdoings, but they don't bring a criminal case. They bring a civil lawsuit brought by Letitia James. Now, reading on down here, it says jurors also found that the NRA violated the law by failing to adopt a whistleblower policy and that eight employees suffered because of those violations. Are those eight employees the ones bringing the lawsuit? No, they're not. It's Letitia James. Once again, it says, quote, LaPierre and senior leaders at the NRA blatantly abused their positions and broke the law. But today, after years of rampant corruption and self-dealing, Wayne LaPierre and the NRA are finally being held accountable. Quote, if this case is about corruption, it wasn't about it wasn't corruption by the NRA, said NRA's attorney, Sarah Rogers. In his final remarks, LaPierre's attorney, P. Kent Cor Correll, said James set out years ago to decapitate the NRA and sued LaPierre as part of that goal. OK, so 
I don't want to focus too much on the NRA facet of this. I want to focus on Letitia James mm -hmm. bringing more civil lawsuits against an organization that has no victim. Uh, you know, I mean, the people aren't bringing this lawsuit. The eight whistleblowers aren't bringing this lawsuit. It's being brought by her. The fact that the, the attorney general's office can sue you over over something like that of you know it just get the f out of new york man well let me tell you what i know about and, and you know i'm just a construction worker i don't i'm not a lawyer but what i learned through like personal experience with my brother's case and everything about civil and criminal suits and this is just in virginia maybe it's different in new york but i know that uh with a civil suit there's a lower threshold so you right. can when you bring a civil suit like a civil suit and a criminal suit for the same matter are two different tracks oh. And in the civil suit, there's a much broader net to go after discovery. You can get a much broader net. You can get a lot more evidence brought in. Whereas in a criminal suit, the judge is going to be very judicious and selective about what evidence is allowed to be presented. Even if it's like directly related because of like criminal history stuff, they're going to keep it out because they don't want it to bias the jury against this specific moment, like this specific incident. You also, in a civil suit, I, my understanding is that you only need 50% or 51% of the jury decide with like decide with the plaintiff in order to, to win the case well, you don't it, and in the criminal suit you have to have unanimous consent like in order to convict so in this case i believe there's five jurors and you have to have four out of five okay but okay so it's, it's different yeah okay the, the burden of proof in a civil case versus a criminal case in criminal you have to have beyond a shadow of a doubt all right so in other words you have to prove fully that this person broke the law Mm -hmm. in a in a civil case it's more likely than not so it's like 51 percent whereas mm -hmm. you know in a, in a criminal trial it's a hundred percent uh and in a uh civil trial it's it's 50 percent or greater uh and that's why but there, there there's also i mean issues there there are laws especially in finance that are civil laws not criminal laws and so i mean she would be required to enforce those but the fact that she's suing the nra which she campaigned on along with going after donald trump i mean this woman has just been completely and totally weaponized and and she needs to be reined in by somebody in new york yes. because they're gonna lose massive i mean we just saw remington pulled out of there finally they've 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 been talking about this for over a decade now they finally pulled out uh completely from new york and they're going to be moving to georgia uh uh excuse me alabama uh oklahoma they're going to be kind of you know spreading out to some you know red states uh but the nra is going to pull out now i mean there's no way that they're going to stay there they've been there since 1871 you know, all these companies get the hell out of New York. You know, it's only a matter of time before, you know, they're weaponized against you in some form or fashion. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And like uh, um, Kevin O'Leary said, uh, New York is a loser state now. It's a, it's a loser place. Don't invest your money there. No one wants to invest their money there. And I do think we're going to see um, uh, that happen. We're going to see new cities and new towns, I think get this kind of investment, good investment, not, you know, not all investments bad. We shouldn't look at development as something bad but uh yeah yeah and yeah, I, I don't care about the nra i don't care i mean whatever happens like, if they're a criminal organization fine like i don't care about them um why would they be going after them N the narrative value if you're trying to forward narratives and you're trying to get these like headlines and these wins in court as i said before in a civil suit it's a much broader net you can go after a lot more things you can bring more discovery you can get more communications and then you can bring those up in court and then the media can say well here's what they said in court and this is a court case so this is very official and you should really care about this 
look how awful and corrupt the NRA is. That must mean all the gun owners of America are also awful and corrupt because they support the NRA. Yeah. Um, where was I going to go with this? There was, there was something that you had brought up there that I wanted to to touch on, but. Uh, um, so, uh, uh, investment, the investment going to other towns as opposed to the. Oh, bank. the Kevin O'Leary. I mean, he just said yeah, he's going to invest $4 billion um in in other red states he was going to originally do it building a data center he was going to build it in uh new york and he said not anymore he's like i i done he won't he won't even go back there even if they change their ways you know he said he still won't go man back there. incentive so. structures that that's how we're going to change change this country is develop reestablishing new incentive structures so people are not incentivized to subscribe to wokeism and this cultural marxist crap Yep. Speaking of woke wokeism and cultural Marxist crap, I'm getting a little hungry looking at this uh, article here from WMD. Surprise court makes common sense <laughs> ruling for all my Marines out there. They get that court makes common sense ruling on woke critical race theory. Uh, the Temecula uh, Valley Unified School District decided to limit the fake lessons. They they they, they started, uh, you know, cutting back on the D DEI and CRT. They took it out. Uh, they, they, they took back a rule that required um, uh, teachers to confide in st students to be able to confide in teachers about their pronouns without telling parents. And they ended up getting sued. Right. And, uh, the, the, the organization defending the suit was the advocates for faith and freedom. Uh, Robert Tyler said, quote, TV USD, the, t uh, Temecula, um, Temecula Valley Unified School District is committed to providing a quality education free from political agendas and free from dishonest and divisive curricula. Uh, this this ruling allows the TVUSD to continue implementing these sound policies. This was a big, a, a big lawsuit in California because now you've got it on on the record with a court that schools, if they want to pull out from this, you know, this DEI and CRT bullcrap that's being taught in schools, they can do it, and 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 you're not going to be able to sue them and require them to get back uh, into that curriculum. And uh, on that same line, I want to jump into this article from the Epic Times. Nearly half of U.S. college graduate working high school level jobs, excuse me, nearly half of U.S. college graduates are working high school level jobs, according to a survey. It says a new survey confirms almost half of American college graduates are working at the high school level, while most see college degrees as a, quote, bridge to economic opportunity and upward mobility. The study says that some are calling into question whether higher education is delivering on that promise. The study confirmed that 52% of college grads are underemployed a year after graduation and even 10 years after graduation 45 percent of college grads still remain underemployed uh 73 of college graduates who enter the labor market uh underemployed stay that way for at least 10 years the average cost to attend a four-year public college right now is about eighty-four thousand dollars for a bachelor's degree Meanwhile, the median annual salary with those for those with a bachelor degree is sixty-eight thousand. Now, uh, median annual salary for someone with a bachelor's degree is about sixty-five grand. We could get into all those numbers right there, but you know, Gordon, you're 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 an architect, right? Uh, I used to work in architecture. Yes. Okay, so you used to work in architecture. You see a lot of these guys that are you know kind of the blue collar guys on a job site. You know, the guys that have to go to vocational schools, the guys framers, you know, things like that. They're making more than this, man. Uh, like, oh, oh, it's not even close. It's not even close. Like, if, if you want to make, I would, I tell kids this too. Like, the people I speak to who are thinking about going to engineering school, I was like, if you want to go to engineering school and become an engineer, fine. 
But if you're thinking about going into the trades and just working in construction, you could be making six figures by the time your buddies graduate from college. If you start at 18 in four years, you could if you if you work hard and have a good good work ethic and uh, you could easily be making six figures if you know what you're doing and you, you know, um, hustle. I mean, yeah. So it's way better to go into the trades right now. And this is like we didn't plan this, but we just talked about incentive structures. This is an incentive structure. People getting away from college, get, going to college to get a meaningless degree and getting in debt and wasting four years of your life versus spending those four years learning a skill, going into the trades, and then making $80,000, $100,000 by the time you're 22. Kids are going to start doing that as opposed to, to you know wasting their time in college. Yeah, absolutely. And with all this stuff going on with the uh, with the student loans and everything else, I mean, this this has to be an option, folks. If you guys have kids that are, you know, anywhere in their teens or whatever, talk to them about the 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 optional uh, the option of going to vocational schools, going and becoming a plumber, become a, an HVAC technician, uh, you know, become a, a, a carpenter. You know, there's all sorts of and it'll cost you a fraction a fraction of what it costs to to go to these universities. You might not have the fun and the partying and all that, but it, it'll come when you get to be our age. Yeah, you, and you, you can still have a good time. I mean, you can still have a good exactly. time. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I would. I, yeah, I mean, as so Hollywood did a good job of like convincing people the only way you have fun as a young person is to go to college and there might be a degree of truth to it, but um, you can young people have fun everywhere. And uh, yeah, at, in 2019, at the height of like like Trump's economy, I mean, you should have seen like the stuff I was seeing in the construction world and, the, and like working as an architect. I mean, the money that they were offering to entry level elevator installers, it was like $35 an hour. And this is back before hyperinflation, um, you know, $35 an hour for entry level to, to train you for two right. years. And, th and then you go make more money after that. I mean, it's yeah, man, go into the trades, go make some money. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, uh, from Town Hall, Brian Stetler reportedly running for school board in New Jersey as a Republican, and that's all I got to say about that. It just made me laugh out loud. Uh, Brian Stetler, of all people, running as a Republican. Let's jump into this oh story. My gosh, here. that that that's amazing. I missed that. Holy what Stetler God. running as a Republican? I mean, yes. Uh, I, I assume CNN's. Prom I'm actually, I don't know. CNN promoting him, I, like promoting his his campaign. I don't no, know. He's done from there. He yeah, I know, but uh, you, you have to think that he still has some friends there, but maybe not. I don't know. That That is really, really funny. I'm going to look into that because that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, from Not the Bee, Google's Gemini director who apologized for the AI's apparent bias against white people. Well, uh, look at his tweets, dude. I don't know if you've seen this yet. This guy came out and apologized. Let me play the apology or read the apology. He said, we are aware that, and his name's Jack Crossick. He says, we are aware that Gemini, Gemini is offering inaccuracies in some historical image generation depictions, and we are working to fix this immediately. And then you just look at this dude's history of tweeting. White privilege is effing real. Don't be an a-hole and, and act guilty about it. Do your part in recognizing bias at all levels. Uh, acknowledge systemic racism. This is America where racism is the number one value our populace seeks to uphold above all. Uh, this dude is just a sicko, man. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got nothing else to say other than screw Google. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, the narrative deployment is hilarious because it's completely backfired and blown up in their face. And, uh, yeah, I, the suggestion that they didn't know this was going to happen, that they weren't completely aware of how their programming was operating. I mean, the, I can't imagine how many months and thousands of man hours were put into coding that, uh, uh, like, and then obviously 
they tested it and tested it and tested it and tested it before they rolled it out. Yeah, so they knew exa exactly what they were doing. And the question is, are they just complete and total morons? Are they subversive Marxists? Are they are they being played? I mean, I don't know, but man, these guys are idiots. Yeah, uh, I got to go watch. Uh, I saw Ash did um, some AI type stuff on Culture of Change on Sunday. I was I was trying to find a clip for for something that she uh, the, one of the stories we're going to cover here in a second, and I thought she was doing an interview on Sunday, so I clicked on that to see if she did it, and it was on a different platform. But uh, I saw that she was talking about AI, so I'm going to go back and watch that. But yeah, it was very telling that they were able to go in and essentially uh, expose this AI. We know Google's agenda. I mean, that's if you've ever listened to Dr. Epstein, uh, who's who's talked about Robert Epstein, not not the other one, uh, Epstein, whatever. He has been um, adamant about Google's ability to influence elections. He's talked you know, ad nauseum about this. He's got a program where you can actually track uh, these. What I forgot what he calls it, but he calls them like um, like fleeting uh, engagements where like you see something that just pops up for a second, enters your brain and then it, it disappears. So you can't go back and, you know, track it again. But it's it's a way that Google can influence an election. They'll put a story in front of you, make you look at it, go, hmm, and then it disappears. I forgot what they call them, but interesting, huh? Yeah, so, it's almost like like the Rorschach test, isn't that? Isn't that what the, like like where they show you the thing and you? I don't know, but somebody anyway, in the anyway. somebody in the chat, uh, ephemeral data. That's part of it. I, is okay. it an ephemeral experience? I think that might be what he called them, ephemeral experiences. I I'm think. Sure I think if Chris Paul were here, I'm sure he that seems this seems like his wheel wheelhouse. Yeah, Medbeds is always on top of that kind of stuff. He's got a good memory. Must be all the cannabis. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go ahead and jump into our next sponsor. And then we've got uh, a, a story on Paul Pelosi and then a story on Colorado. And then I'm going to let you kick it with uh, our updates on the Middle East. And everyone, before you do the ad read, if you are enjoying the show, please hit the thumbs up. Um, help us get up that leaderboard on this Monday morning. Yes, absolutely. Good call on that. Hit that thumbs up if you guys are watching. Got almost almost 7,000 watching this morning. Please hit that thumbs up. It'll help get us up there on the leaderboard. And now let's get a word from our final sponsor of the program, MyPillow.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from MyPillow, towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with a nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. What a concept. I'm interrupting this commercial to let you know you can get our six-piece My Towels, regular $69.98, now only $29.98. Or you can save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Also, we have bath sheets, bath towels, washcloths, hand towels, and so much more. And the best part, with your promo code, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all my towels. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. All right, MyPillow.com, promo code BADLANDS. My wife just bought the, uh, the, the mattress topper for us. We've been... Ash has always said that it's her favorite product, period. And I never, I don't have, I have the towels, I have the Giza Dream Sheets, I have two pairs of the slippers, all that stuff. But I don't have the mattress topper. And my wife was like, we need to get a mattress topper. So I told her, I said, go to mypillow.com and buy it from there. And she's like, oh, it's, it's, it's 500 bucks. I was like, put in promo code 
Badlands. We'll just say Badlands. I use my code, but uh, I said, put in promo code Badlands. And she's like, oh, okay, this is much better. And she bought it. And I'm so excited to get it on our bed. I'm, I'm dying awesome. to get it on there. I've heard good things. Uh, I've heard, heard good things for sure. Yeah, Ash, Ash, Ash loves the mattress topper, so I'm I'm all in on that. All right, let's jump into this story from Fox News. It's nothing new, but it's just we got to do something about this, man. Paul Pelosi does it again. He beats the market. I, you know what? I like a part of me really wants like a stock tracker. Look, there are you know trackers out there that track what Pelosi and other members of Congress buy. But like, I want it in real time. Like the second that he clicks buy or that, you know, the buy order goes down, I want to know about it. I don't want to know about it in a week or, you know, 48 hours or whatever. I want to know the moment he buys it so I can jump on it as well. Because this guy is the, he beats the crap out of every investment firm out there. From Fox News, Pelosi's husband made over $1.25 million on NVIDIA stock in just three months. Uh, Paul Pelosi scooped up between $1 million and $5 million worth of call options in the computer chip company on November 22nd. Happy birthday to me. Uh, Pelosi, however, held off on reporting the transaction until right before Christmas. In 2022, Paul grabbed more than $1 million worth of NVIDIA call options just weeks before a congressional vote on providing massive subsidies to the chip manufacturing industry. Just pure coincidence right there. At the time, Pelosi said that her husband had never made stock purchases based on information she had given him. Do you know what's wrong with that statement right there, Gordon? What's that? Based on information she had given him. It should be, she doesn't give me any information for me to make my stock purchases. You know, I make my stock purchases. Nancy doesn't share any of that information. She gave it to him. She, he, he, they're not denying that. I've, I went back and read the other article. They're not denying that they don't have conversations about what's coming up ahead. But Paul insists that it has nothing to do with his purchases, even though his purchases kind of line up a lot with, you know, the the options, the bills that are about to come down. And um, uh, discussions between spouses is also protected speech in the court of law. I believe. I believe you can't co you cannot coerce like a Ooh, husband or wife to, test to testify against. I'm pretty sure that's that's law, but I'm not a lawyer. That is law. That is law. But I wonder how it would. I, that's a that's a really good point, right? That's there. why this should be illegal. I mean, this is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. It says long after the storm had calmed from the first time he bought the Nvidia stock, Paul reinvested in the company with most recent contract from last year, from late last year in November. The company's stock has since taken off. In early January, Nvidia announced mass production of slower AI chips to be sold to China that complied with US export rules. And then weeks later, the US government announced that NVIDIA would be one of several companies that they would partner with on AI research program. And guess what the stock did? Whoop, it went up. I mean, come on guys, this is absolutely insane. It goes on to say estimates that the recent, most recent Pelosi investment to be around two and a half million dollars and said that the shares are up 50% in just three months, which made them $1.25 million in three months time. I wish I, I wish I had that kind of knowledge in my investing. Lawmaker spouses can trade in companies or industries their partner may help regulate, but it's illegal for family members and members of Congress to profit from the inside information. Paul cashed in on big, on big tech shortly uh, before the House Judiciary Committee vote to curtail the unregulated power of companies like Google and Amazon in 2021. Back then, Paul purchased 4,000 shares of Alphabet by exercising call options a week before the vote. He snagged them shares at about $1,200 a piece. 
and they closed that day at just over 2,500. Paul made $5.3 million on the investment. Paul also picked up uh, millions of dollars worth of Microsoft stock the day before the company announced a lucrative government contract. He paid uh, $1.95 million to buy 15,000 shares of Microsoft at a strike price of, a of $130. The same day, Paul paid $1.4 million for 10,000 shares at a value of $140. When Microsoft announced a government contract worth $22 billion to supply the U.S. Army troops with augmented reality headsets, 12 days after his purchase, the company shot up to $230 to $255 a share uh, or close to 11% in the weeks following that announcement. So it's it's just bullshit, man. It's it's ap like people should be up in arms about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You shared something. You want to share that? Yeah, share that. Um, this is just something that's worth looking at today. And over the weekend, there was a lot of stuff shared on uh, G Money's like Bitcoin um chat like uh, on telegram and uh i think chris shared a lot of like on his telegram but looks like the like, reports that there are a lot of like in big investors are dumping i think uh like the like the um who are the people who are behind walmart they dumped like 450 million dollars of of their stock from walmart and a lot of people are dumping off stocks right now uh and then this is just related to nvidia's from today but hedge fund hedge funds are fleeing the uh, tech stocks after nvidia earnings because um there's tensions tensions about the sustainability momentum and i don't have the article in front of me uh the, this other article but there i saw something in the past week about nvidia where they're talking about like i think burning bright may have been the one that was talking about it on uh, cultural Her heretics maybe but it's like one of the biggest companies in the world now because of what they they supply it's like like the parts that they supply they're like one of the most important and but they don't actually produce it it's like they're like a middleman it's very weird um but nvidia seems like a really sketchy company in general very interesting i mean look we do need chips here in the u.s we got we got to get back to that i know uh they were talking about the chips act on wednesday night i mm -hmm. think that's what you're referring to right there that that could have been what it was yeah you're right yeah all right, let's keep moving along. I mean, look, insider trading's got to go. And it seems like Matt Gates is pretty much the only person that's really talking about it publicly. I mean, there are some behind the scenes, but I, I don't know how you deal with it. I, I, to be fair, like you just said, uh, as a spouse, you can't be compelled to testify uh, against your against your spouse. So yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I mean, the way you deal with it is the like the way that 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 dumb blonde zoomer was talking about it. You bring an executive in, which would be the president of the United States, the chief executive, and you allow him to be an executive, which is he goes through his branch and he cleans out all the people who are corrupt. He gets rid of people specifically at the DOJ who are not going to enforce the law. You bring in real law enforcement officials and then you empower them to do their job and they go prosecute people who are breaking the law. And if you start doing that, you're going to de-incentivize people in politics, in power, to break the law but the problem is is that we have a crime syndicate that actually rules our country mm. all right let's uh let's jump into this story here over the weekend i wrote this story up two colorado representatives speak out after democrats unanimously vote to indefinitely postpone bill mandating sentencing minimums for child sex buyers this was nothing more than a bill to mandate that if you are convicted oh why did it go away that if you, oh, wait, oh, uh, you, you, I, you I shared my you shared my screen yeah 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 um this was nothing more than a bill house bill 1092 in colorado nothing more than a bill to mandate that if you are convicted of buying a child for sexual exploitation 
you are to serve a minimum of four years. And if it's a class two or three felony, uh, a minimum of eight years. And Democrats voted unanimously against it. It says bipartisan House Bill 24-1092 was sponsored by the Colorado House. It was a bipartisan pill, bill brought by Representative Brandy Bradley, Republican, Regina English, a Democrat, and Ke Senator Kevin Van Winkle, a Republican. The bill would have required sentencing minimums for several class three felonies committed against children to serve four years, while certain class two and three felonies must would have been mandated for eight-year minimums. Uh, there were 23 lobbyists cited in the legislation. I thought this was interesting. One, only one, was opposing the bill, and that was the Colorado Criminal Defense Bar, while 18 were supportive and the other uh, six, I think, or four were um, monitoring. They, they weren't one way or the other. According to the Gazette, Colorado is a top 20 state for human sex trafficking. They had 50 witnesses present in the hearing, and uh, including survivors of child sex slavery, all three supported all but three, excuse me, all but three supported the passage of the bill. <clears throat> excuse me, Dr. Karen Pennington, the state director for Concerned Women for America, said, quote, the issue of child sex trafficking and prostitution has been has seen explosive growth in our country from a $500 million to $150 billion per year industry. Uh, according to Dr. Pennington, the Ter Tennessee Bureau of Investigation cites that a child is bought or sold for sex slavery, or excuse me, for sex every two minutes every day in this country. And then they talk about the victims having a lifelong sentence. I want to play this clip. Ash did an interview on her channel on Rumble, My America. If you search My America, it's Ash's uh, alternative channel, her personal channel. And uh, she did an interview with this guy here, um, Representative Scott Bottoms, I believe. Scott Bottoms. And uh, check out what he has to say about this. These are the times that I am discouraged about my job as a representative, and also just what happens here at the Capitol. We sat in a committee all day discussing whether or not somebody that buys little children, these are two, three, four, five-year-old kids, and they buy them for sex, that we tried to get a bill through, Representative Bradley sent one through, that was going to put these buyers in jail. Right now, most of the time, they get off on probation, almost all the time. They get off on probation after buying a child and raping a little child. And we tried to say, well, they need to at least serve a minimum of four years. And then we sat and listened to the Democrats fight against this bill, fight against putting these people in jail, and came up with all kinds of reasons, including that these buyers are victims themselves. This is very discouraging, and it's also very disgusting for me that they would actually defend this. And then they voted. Completely along party lines, the Democrats voted 100% that they did not want to put these pedophiles in jail. They defended the pedophiles. This is why it's so difficult sometimes to do what we do around here. We know we're on the side of right. We know we're on the side of morality. And we get shot down by, I do not understand the thought process behind this, but we do get shot down. This is why I would encourage you to do a few things to help us with this. First, if you believe in prayer at all, please pray. We are fighting truly dark forces here. This is not okay. This is evil stuff that we're dealing with. And if you have the ability to come up and testify on, on bills or anything like this, please do so. Your voice is very important to what we're trying to accomplish around here. We are a minority, but with you, we become a powerful force. That's insane, dude. It can't even, it couldn't even make it. 
it couldn't even make it out of the committee. Now, you know, in, in doing the research on all this, it sounds like that committee that it went to, uh, it was like the Military Veterans Affairs Committee, and they call it the quote-unquote kill committee because that's where they go to kill bills. And that's exactly what they did. Eight Democrats voted against it. Three Republicans voted for it down party lines. And again, nothing more than a bill to mandate sentencing minimums. That's it. There wasn't anything else controversial in this bill. It's insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, kudos to that guy for making the video and putting it out there and, and Ash sharing it. I was trying to find the, not me, but the infographic that went kind of viral back in July when Sound of Freedom came out of like the picture of Epstein Island and then like all of the MSM headlines around like in the sky about how like the Sound of Freedom was like a bunch of BS and it was a QAnon conspiracy theory and stuff. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, no, it's not a conspiracy theory. This is actually happening. He says in the video, I, I picked that I picked up on him saying that uh like I don't I don't understand why they're doing it. I, let me explain why they're doing it. I just said it before. Um, a crime syndicate rules our country, rules the world. Somebody in the chat just said that. Yes, rules the world, rules our country. Um, but more specifically, it's a pedophile crime syndicate because pedophilia is how they control people. Now, are they controlling every single person on this committee, every single Democrat through pedophilia? Probably not. But they are controlling him through other means, money, um, 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 favors, exchanges, coercion, whatever. But the people it's the people who are controlling them who are probably part of this crime syndicate. And that's how they get this done. A referendum is coming in this country and it is on the cusp. It's we are right there on our morality as the Christian West. And I think there are a lot of normies out there, and I'm with Chris and, and Burning Bright on this, where if the normies are not going to stand up and have a moral center, if they're not going to radiate morality, if they are going to, to shrivel in that moment and shrink down and, and kneel to the party of false decorum, which is pro-pedophilia, then those people, I have no interest in allying with those people. Those are not my allies, and those are not my countrymen, because they are not actual good moral people they are people who want to serve this even if they're not pedophiles they're pe pedophile sympathizers they're, they're pedophile enablers and that conversation needs to occur now we need to be having that conversation out in the open why do you support pedophilia um why are you okay with this and those questions need to be asked every day to, to average people but also to our politicians well said well said. All right. I can't say it any better, so I'm going to leave that at that. Um, I do want to jump into the last thing I'm going to play before I give you the, the reins here. Uh, yesterday, or excuse me, Saturday. Saturday was the two-year anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And uh, this was Jen Stoltenberg, the Secretary General of NATO. And uh, dude, they're just, they're just trying to push us into World War III. Listen to this. We are helping to make your forces more and more interoperable with allies. We will open a new joint analysis training and education center in Poland together. And we are deepening our political ties through the NATO-Ukraine Council, where we consult and make decisions together. Ukraine will join NATO. It is not a question of if, but of when. As we prepare you for that day, NATO will continue to stand with Ukraine for your security and for ours. Oh boy. Yep. <laughs> World War Three, man. This is World War Three. That's, That's yep. the line in the sand. The line in the sand is Ukraine joining NATO, which is insane. And and even like the Democrats and Biden and them 
were saying before that this was this was not going to happen. That wasn't the goal of all this, but of course it's the goal. The goal is not necessarily for them to join NATO. The goal is war. The goal is World War III, a conflict between East and West, Russia versus the West, Islam versus Christianity, China versus America. Um, that's what they're trying to see. That's what they're trying to bring to fruition. Um, and yeah, that, this is what it looks like. And obviously they're losing the war in Ukraine. Um, it's it's over. Uh, McGregor actually posted a really interesting retweet where somebody said they had just returned from Ukraine and they said we're being lied to about what's happening. Yes. Like, like I, you said, like nothing is happening. Like, they didn't specify. They just said what we're being told is not what's happening over there. Um, so this might, this might, I, I haven't seen the one McGregor's talking about, but I saw a, another woman who came back and said, I was visiting it. friends over there at, yeah, see if you can find that while you're doing that. I'll, I'll talk about this one. Um, she had said, I was visiting friends over there. And my friends were telling me the, the Ukrainians, they're saying we don't support Russia. You know, we don't, we don't appreciate what Putin's doing and, you know, we're not supportive of that, but at the same time, we don't support what Zelensky's doing at all. Like, I mean, they're, they're, the, the people over there are afraid to leave their homes because they're going to get conscripted. They get rounded up and arrested and forced into into service. Um, they know that this is a losing battle. They don't want to continue to to fight for this. They want negotiations. And Zelensky obviously won't allow them to go negotiate. He's cut off uh, he, he, the, the election that's supposed to be coming up. I think it's in March, right? I think their election was supposed to be in March. And he's postponed that under martial law. You talking about U Ukraine? Yeah, Ukraine. I think. Yeah, yeah. The elections have definitely been po postponed. I don't know the exact yeah. dates of when they're supposed to occur, but yes, I know they've been postponed multiple times. I think it was supposed to be in March, but I, I, I could be wrong on that. March, April, somewhere around there. Uh, did you find that video? Because yep, I got. Yep, I got it. I got it right here. All right, there we go. So it, this is um, McGregor just retweeting it and just putting it like eyeballs um, emoji, and it says uh, this is from Maria Matekshik. I'm. I know I'm not saying that right, but. Um, I just got back from Ukraine where I was visiting some friends. Everything we have heard about what's happening in Ukraine is a lie. The reality is darker, bleaker, and un unequivocally hopeless. There is no such thing as Ukraine, quote, winning this war. I'm not going to read this entire thing. It's very long. Um, I'll post it in the chat. Is there a video? Um, I don't know. Oh, okay. she, she, she has a thread and there's more yeah, that, stuff. Hold on. Go back up. Go back up. Yep. To the food. Yeah. This is the same woman. She posted a video, I believe, where she was talking about this. Oh, no, okay. you, you know what? No, maybe maybe I read the tweet you sent me. Maybe, maybe I did read it. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Well, so, yeah. Yes. So I, I will post this in the chat and I'll also post it in the comments for people who aren't watching live. Um, and you can and you can go see this, read this for yourself. But yeah, I mean, she's just she's basically conveying that what is being reported by the MSM is not reality, um, which, of course, this community understands that. But, um, you know, we just have to keep drilling this point until we win. Um, and we have to recognize that the MSM is never going to acknowledge that they are lying to everybody because that would then basically be the equivalent of committing suicide. All right. So um, moving on, I want to give you the floor here. Do you want to start with the, the Air Force guy? Um, yes. Why, why don't we start with that? Um, okay. And while you're doing that, I'll just post this link. But yes, why don't we start with that? Because I think you have the video, right? Yep. Here we go. So this was a video uh, of a U.S. Air Force guy. This is a little bit disturbing. It's it's censored. So yes, if you have any kids watching the show with you right now, like, like let's just hit the hit the uh, mute button, like like put us on silence or whatever, like turn them out of the room. Um, this is not something that the kids should be watching or aware of. 
All right. You got about a minute before it comes up anyways. No. I am an active duty member of the United States Air Force, and I will no longer be complicit in genocide. I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest, but compared to what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers, it's not extreme at all. This is what our ruling class has decided will be normal. Is, is he in D.C., Gordon? Yes, this is in okay. D.C. This is nuts, man. Jesus. Hi, sir, can I help you? Okay. Um, yeah, that's obviously awful. Uh, but we are obligated to talk about it because it's news. And uh, I thought it was important to show the video because um, I posted a screenshot of it. And I think a lot of people meet like, well, this is obviously fake um, and didn't actually happen. Uh, the DC police confirmed it did actually happen. Um, this guy did go to the hospital and ultimately succumb to the injuries and die. And the Air Force did put out a um, tweet where they said um, about the suicide hotline saying, you know, get help. Um, so I think it's important, you know, it's important to show the video. I did go and check because he walks past the Ghana embassy to the is Israeli embassy. I went and checked. That's all real. Like the Ghana embassy is right next to the Israeli embassy in um, D.C. And you can see everything. You know, Kyle suggested that at uh, Guard back in back in September that um, that's a good way to verify if the video is real that, uh, you know, as you go check Google maps and make sure that the surrounding area is what they're presenting. So this is, this actually happened. Um, uh, we can talk about the psyops behind it and why it happened and how it happened. Um, the, so this kid is like a 20, sounds like he's like a 25 year old software developer, Aaron Bushnell. He, he as he says in the video, he's like a petty officer in the air force. And he says he wants to no longer be complicit in, um, genocide. And he does yeah, this interesting. And I, you know, the first thing to say before anyone says anything else, because I know there's going to be opinions on, on, from all directions on this, is that to acknowledge that this kid actually is dead, and um, he has a family, and you know, acknowledge the fact that um, there's a real tragedy there. He, this is a casualty. No matter how, like how you want to look at this, is a casualty of um, the information war, the psychological warfare operations that Trump talks about being waged upon our our country particularly among young people like this guy um where you're getting all this pressure applied to them from every direction and the fact that somebody feels like this is the only way they can be heard is really sad and that just goes to show of like this is social media like on steroids people trying to get attention trying to get their message heard they feel like they're not being heard and um you know this isn't just a guy like a like a service member posting an angry video online i mean this kid killed himself um 
can't really ever state how like serious that is. Now, with all that aside, and just looking at the politics of this, um, the first thing I want to do is I want to share. I want to share my screen. Um, if you could share my screen back again, and can you see what I'm looking at right now? This image, the Mossad commentary. Yeah. Okay. I want to point this out real quick because this went apparently this like kind of went viral where a lot of people Newsweek did an article on this and I credit them for de debunking this. Um, as somebody who has criticized the Israeli government and spoken out against them, I want to be objective here. Um, a lot of the big account anti-Israel accounts on Twitter reposted this and said Mossad was um, mocking this kid. This is not a Mossad account. Uh, if you can still see my screen, this is the Mossad's official website. And if I translate to English and go to their Twitter account, this is their Twitter account. So that, that as far as I can tell that like I went and d dug on it and this Twitter account that they're showing here is not Mossad commentary is not actually the Mossad Twitter account. The, um, so just wanted to, you know, be fair and objective there that I think that's a big that's a big like lie. Um, let's let's debunk that. Now, as far as this kid goes um, and, and what's going on here, you know, initially when I saw this and I share it and um, I did think to myself well this like does this kid actually feel like he is complicit like he works in the air force does that mean that the air force is involved in gaza and it doesn't necessarily mean that i mean he could just be a software developer who works in the air force he's in the air force and is just being inundated with the same psychological warfare operations that we all are and he, he took this action um but he could also be seeing stuff when he's at work in the air force that is leading him to understand that he is somehow providing consultation or whatever you're going to know more, more about this than i am as far as like being a petty officer his given his age and everything i can't imagine that he would be serving in any sort of like consultant role like consulting with the idf or helping them in any sort of like strategic way although maybe he's providing more like ancillary lower level um um services in that regard um but yeah, I mean, this is this this is the reality of the world we live in right now, where we have people who are being taken to the brink of sanity. Young people, really. I mean, I, I don't know how this generation, the the twenty uh, somethings, are ever going to be the, like be normal, given the amount of um, of psyops that they have had to endure. We've all had to endure, and uh, I do think mental health is something that we're really going to have to focus on and heal. Um, as far as you know, the politics of it. Yeah, that's a discussion that I'll I'll get into more maybe on breaking history or, or another day, um, because I don't I don't really want to just out of respect for this kid's family because there are victims in a situation like this. I've been in this situation before, um, and it's uh, it's messed up, man. And and their son's dead, and that breaks my heart because there's no reason for this kid to have died. Um, and yeah, um, the war. There are casualties in this war. I think we just have to acknowledge that. And uh, I'm trying not to be cynical, and I'm trying to guard against cynicism because I do think that that leads to a darker place um, in these moments. And I'm um, understanding that a lot of things are fake and gay, but from what we can tell, from what is being reported by actual official sources, this kid is actually dead. Yeah. Uh, real quick, according uh, Skywalker OG <clears throat> is spot on here. Petty officer is a Navy rank, so uh, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe there that was, like, that was like th that was language that was used in like some reporting. So I don't know if he's actually a petty officer or what he is, but he's young. I mean, he's 25. So I can't imagine that he's he's like 
directly consulting with the IDF or anything like that, which is the, when I first saw this, I was just, I, and I sent this to you, I was like, I was thinking like, is the air force somehow involved in this Gaza war already? I mean, I, I know that we have military over there, like, like stationed across the middle East. And I'm sh and I know we're obviously consulting with the IDF and um, coordinating, but you know, it's just it, the Ukraine thing, man. It's just like, I can't stop thinking about the Ukraine thing and how we are involved in Ukraine, even though we claim not to be. And, I don't know what the situation is with the Middle East, um, with with Gaza, but I do know that McGregor's talking about the Arabs getting involved kinetically, and I think there's a big likelihood that they will um, at this point. Um, and that you know, if we have our fingerprints all over the place, what does that mean for us? So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, people are asking who was filming it. He was, guys. He he. You can see him clear as day. Put the phone down and walk walk away. Like he was selfie mode filming yeah it. he was selfie mode and he put the phone down and then he walked up and he and he dumps the thing on his head and some security guard or cop is like what are you doing like and then that that all happens and so then they run up they hose him with the fire extinguisher and they bring the, the ambulance and all that but uh from a psyop standpoint the interesting thing question i had was who posted this video online like how did this video make it to the internet like, i think he was live was he live streaming it yeah. okay okay that's what makes the most sense it's just like yeah anyway so I, it's it's messed up it's messed up um seek help yeah. seek help um the, the one thing i'll say in in closing here i was watching uh this weekend my wife and i were watching television and i was like we needed something to watch and i saw this uh show that popped up and it was pretty lame but it, it was it wasn't i guess it wasn't bad it was entertaining uh pine gap you know what pine gap is um i don't is that a show it's, well, the show, yeah, but Pine Gap is an actual like joint uh, co-op uh, base in Australia between the U.S. and the Aussies, and okay. it's uh, you know part of the Five Eyes you know program. Gotcha. Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's a real place, right? I've, I'm pretty sure I've read about it before. It's it's a real place in Alice Springs, I think. And mm -hmm. and but anyways, in the in the show, like you know they're they're super secret spies and they're monitoring traffic and doing the best thing to help you know our countries and they get into animosity uh, between the Aussies and the uh and you know the US and all this but there's a couple points in there where they talk about you know global conflict and what's going on with global conflict and how uh, and, and this was in 2018 keep in mind you know they make a lot of allusions to Donald Trump being crazy and pulling the trigger and starting a massive war and all this stuff, which is absolutely hilarious because in hindsight, we all know it was quite the opposite of that. But when you're looking at it, they talk about all these little baby conflicts, you know, that are going to take off that will never really allow a massive escalation like between China. And there, there is a situation in there where like a Ch China like shoots down an F-16 and like, they're talking about nuclear war over whether or not China kills the pilot. Like the pilot goes down and he lands on like some island in the, in the South China sea. And they're like, if China kills this pilot, we're going to go to nuclear war. And it, it's just absurd. Like, you know, when it gets to that level, when you're talking about a global conflict with a superpower like that. But if you, in reality, if you look at all the conflicts that we've seen over the last, you know, since World War II, essentially, it's all just these, these proxy wars. Like we're fighting in Ukraine right now. It's proxy wars where Israel and Hamas, like if you really thought that Hamas was such an issue for Israel, it's, it's absurd to even think that. In hindsight, looking at the U.S. involvement in Afghanistan, somebody 
commented on on truth on on Twitter, excuse me, the other day saying, "Oh yeah, well, you know, I said we don't need NATO. NATO needs the U.S. We don't need NATO." And they're like, "Oh well, the only time Article Five was invoked was when the U.S. needed their aid in Iraq and, and Afghanistan." I'm like, "You guys are out of your mind. You guys are absurd. If you think that we needed help against Iraq and Afghanistan." Uh, you know, it's just a continuation of the military industrial complex and just, a, you know, an, as, an absolute psyop uh, to get people like, oh, Lindsey Graham talked about him earlier in the show, right? To get individuals like that to continue to perpetuating this this war cycle. I, I don't think there's much of a chance that we would see a kinetic war, not at least not immediately with Russia, unless we continue to provoke it by something like bringing Ukraine into NATO, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why I went off on that, but. We can wrap the show up now. Well, well, I mean, I mean, just the f- final point is that they use false flags and psyops like like this to uh, like like what you're talking about to um, pull up the heartstrings and to get right. people emotional. And, and so they're not using their logic; they're responding with emotion. Nine eleven, like the day after nine eleven, everyone was like, "Let's go get them!" Like whoever that was, let's go get them. And then, and then the government pointed the finger to the Middle East and said, "Go get them!" And it's like. That's what they do. And they, so they, use, they they zoom in and they use these really specific stories. They in, focus on individuals. They focus on teams. They focus on a ship that gets sunk, whatever it is. And they focus on the human aspect of it and the story and the narrative. And that's how they get us sucked into it. And then, like you're saying, proxy wars. They don't actually do nation states versus nation states. It's just um, these proxy militias versus proxy militias or proxy militia versus, you know, the U.S. military or what have you. And uh yeah. So the question is, who is funding the proxy militias? Because somebody's always funding them. And, you know, my my um, uh, hypothesis is that it's all being funded by our uh, clandestine in, uh, intelligence agencies, uh, the CIA specifically. So, um, yeah, that's that's something we have to continue to beat the drum on and think about and talk about. And I that that's part of the reason I don't really want to get into the political analysis right now, because I don't want to use this as like a as like a talking point to talk about politics because a kid just died. Yeah. Um, and that's just really sad. And I feel horrible for his, um, for his family. So um, yeah, we can end it here. All right. Let's uh, real quick guys, please. If you haven't yet hit that thumbs up, we do have some rants to, to run through here. Uh, so let's go ahead and pull up those rants. Uh, there we go. Uh, Denise Ann says, Brian, since John no longer does daily, you should change the headline to with CanCon and co-hosts and friends or something like that. I, you know, like everybody keeps saying that. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good idea, but I got to have them do it. So uh, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll bring it up. Uh, Denise Ann says, I love Renaissance fairs. I used to dress up in period costumes. I haven't been in forever. They're a lot of fun, man. If you haven't been, I, I, I have a good time every single time I get a new piece of glassware. If you know, you know. Uh, you know, we, we always have a good time when we go to those, uh, Sam Phoenix is always fun, man. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Patrick, and I think they mean Gordon, but ghost of base Patrick Henry. Do you have the video link for the four horses associated with the Rothschild's passing? Is it the four horsemen of the apocalypse, three black horses and one white? There's meaning here. I think it was only three. I did see that. And I posted the link in the, in the chat. Um, for, for people to watch but if you go to x and you just search london horses it like there's you'll get the commentary from all the different accounts talking about it and the videos everywhere so yeah i agree with uh with seahawk mom here it should be cancon and friends because <laughs> you guys are all my friends all right <laughs> cm fina says they so connect to the internet chris paul <laughs> yep 
Uh, Denise Ann says, we have express vote in Greene County, Missouri. In the two years since I've been an election judge, my polling location has never had anyone use the express vote. Well, the express vote is the BMD. It's supposed to be, you know, for uh, uh, accessible accessibility, and they use it anyways. Um, Brian, uh, Denise then said, Brian, I just tagged you on truth. Trump has filed an appeal against the bogus trial in New York. Let's go. But did they allow him because he's supposed to put up the bond first? I don't know if they allowed him or not. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'll have to read on that. We'll we'll definitely report on it tomorrow. All right. Gordon, thank you as always joining me on this Monday. I know we went a little over, but uh appreciate you joining us. And um, absolutely, man. Always love coming on here on Monday. It's a great way to start the week. Um, everyone have a good day. Hit the thumbs up on your way out, and um, we'll see you next Monday. Yeah, and make sure to check out uh Gordon with Matt Arrett on uh Wednesdays at 12 p.m. on Breaking History, correct? Yes, breaking history this this Wednesday, and uh, I I texted Matt right before the show and said maybe we should talk about Rothschild, like Jacob Rothschild, or something related to that. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll see what the, what the topic's going to be this week. Um, oh, but yeah, noon noon on Wednesday. Join us. That would be fascinating. That would be fascinating. All right, guys. Hope you all have a great Monday, and I will see you guys all tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. here. Hit that thumbs up on your way out. Check out our sponsors, and also check out BadlandsMedia.tv slash shop where you can spawn, uh, help out all the Patriot fan, uh, friendly businesses that are affiliated with us and, and check that out guys. See you guys tomorrow morning. Thank you so much for joining us and don't forget to hit the thumbs up on this video and a special thank you to all of our advertising partners. Please remember to shift your dollars to support those businesses that support Badlands Media.